Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on Call In. This is episode 129, Israel Conflict, RFK Jr. Independent Run, and more news. There's been a lot that we've discussed the past couple of days, um, so feel free to chime in on any of those issues. But I'm going to go ahead and dive in. So it does look like we already got people lined up in the chat. So let's go ahead and bring in Ashura. You are on the mic. What's going on, Ashura? Uh-oh. There you go. I think you dropped to the back. There we go. Hey, Savvy. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I was enjoying your video like three times over. I, I think I basically watched your video, the one about the RFK, uh, Palestinian, and Cornell West. The, corn, the, the RFK part, like, you were really fired up to the point where I noticed that you were tapping... <laughs> Very much so, tapping your fingers on the table. <laughs> oh, you can hear that? Oh, of course I can. Like everybody could hear that. I'm like, bro, she is really serious on that shit right now. RFK is hyping her up. It's like, here comes Sabrina to the to the Palestinians to the rescue on some Rambo shit. You know that scene in Rambo when he was with the horses and he's he's got raising reins of horses. He's coming in against the fucking Russians. Yeah, <laughs> on that scene. I'm like, here comes Sabrina. And I'm like, RFK is such a fucking disgusting person. And I don't know if you were watching the uh, Norm Ficklestein interview that was going on the Jimmy Jimmy show yesterday. And I think I, Pasta, I, saw, um, I saw part of it. I didn't get to see the full interview. Well, I, I saw it. They broke it up in multiple clips. And I, I'm telling you, Sabrina, that stream last night was all positivity. It was like the fucking... The, the, the pro RFK people, the pro uh, Israel people, they were drowned out. There were a couple of them I saw, but it was like positivity all over in that chat. At one point, the chat was uh, being. I saw people in the chat saying, get this guy off of here, bring Jimmy back. And I saw people saying, like, I don't want to hear this. I'm out of here. I saw that part. Yeah, I saw that. Well, yeah, there was those people, but most of it was like Free Palestine, Rab Norm Fickleston is right. So yep. I saw those. There were a couple of stragglers, but it was drowned out by positivity, like I told Gamer. And at some point, uh, you even have uh, Pasta. Pasta, he is so he is so d- done with RFK. He is he's like a broken man. Where I think it took Kim Iverson, who's like people call the biggest RFK stand, even though it's a it's probably Jimmy and Pasta at the top, but. Jimmy basically abandoned it. He quietly abandoned it, and he basically doesn't talk about it. But RFK was at that last man standing, and once Kim came out and said, there goes my RFK vote, Pasta was, like, crushed. At some point, I think I saw the tear some part. I don't know if he was crying for the Palestinian story. No, because I saw, I I did see the part where he was talking about what RFK said, like that tweet. I saw that part, and that was when some people were in the chat started getting angry. Because it, they were, it seemed like they were fine until he started criticizing RFK, and I was just like, "Well, those are the RFK stands." But, but the thing is, is this? Um, I think you're right. I think you're right about what you said. Like when Kim Iverson came out with her statement, I think that did it for a lot of people. And I also saw too. I think Pasta looked a little sad, like uh, when he was talking about it, because he really did believe in this guy. And I hate to say it, but I feel like I saw this before with Tulsi Gabbard. I feel like when Tulsi Gabbard was running 
in uh, 20, 2020, yeah, 2020, I feel like people had the same type of energy for her. Like, yay, she's against the wars and da da da. And then uh, there were a couple of comments that Tulsi had made that kind of threw people for a loop. And people were like, oh no, like Tulsi's not my hero anymore. Like what's happening here? And all I can say is this, you know, I think some of the people that were in the chat that were upset about the RFK comments or what they were saying about what RFK said, I think those people probably wouldn't have felt that way if when Jimmy had that interview with RFK Jr., if he didn't back down and say, I don't know enough about this topic, so would you have this conversation with Max? Because when you say that, you're basically telling the audience, okay, Jimmy doesn't really know about this, so RFK is probably right. That's the impression that you're going to give the viewers that don't also don't know about this issue. And I knew that Jimmy did know about it because, to be honest with you, some of the stories that came out about Israel and Palestine, the first time I saw those stories were on Jimmy's show. Yeah. So, and Jimmy covered it. Sometimes Max Blumenthal was there. Sometimes Max Blumenthal was not there when he covered those stories. So the thing is, he did know about it. And I think that what it was is I think that Jimmy had a lot of hope for RFK. I think Pasta did too. And I think that's why they really didn't want to push too hard on this issue because that was the person they that they thought was going to be the one. And we've all done this before, right? Like I felt that way about Bernie. I thought he was going to be the one to really fight for the people. And this is why I continue to tell people, don't make politicians a hero because when you do that, they're going to let you down. Like you can't, and I'll say it again, there, nobody is coming to save us. Like we have to save ourselves and work with people within our communities. And if you go into it with that mindset, you won't have these disappointments like what you saw happen with Pasta last night. And I think he was really sad. Like I never saw him look like that before. Um, but I think if during that interview with RFK, if Jimmy would have like, if Jimmy would have not said that, like, well, I don't really know about this issue. If Jimmy would have came at RFK the same way he came at Cornell West, I honestly think then his audience would have been more prepared. They still would have been pissed. Don't get me wrong, because that's what happened when you start standing for somebody. But I think his audience would have been more prepared with how horrible RFK was on this particular issue. So when people saw that tweet for him, for some of his supporters, that was the first time they were like, holy shit, this guy is not pro-peace. This guy is lying. He said he was a peace candidate. And now he's saying we need to arm Israel. So this guy is not pro-peace. And then you're right. All it took was for Kim Iverson to say, well, there goes my vote for RFK. And by the way, some of her audience members got mad at her too when she took her support away from RFK. So it happened to me like, and I didn't even support RFK, but when I covered RFK's rally in Boston after that, some people were like, yay, I'm so glad you covered this. I'm passionate about RFK's campaign. But the moment I started to call out some of the, the issues with RFK's campaign, then those people started to get mad at me. And I was like, Get mad at me all you want to. I never told you I was endorsing RFK Jr. And even if I did, I have the right to change my mind when I see that a candidate is not who they say that they are. And this is not going to be someone that's really going to fight for the people. And he's trying to play you. You know, some people didn't like when I called out what Cornell West said about Israel, Palestine. But the thing is, that's called being fair. That's called being fair. And for the people who are just like, like, 
Ugh, you you keep complaining about this issue with RFK and and this isn't right and da da da. You didn't say this about Cornell West. Actually, I did. I recently critiqued Cornell West's statement about Israel and Palestine as well because that's what you do when you're being fair. When you're being a stand, you don't. And what's happened is some people, some of these people that are RFK supporters, they're out there worshiping this fucking guy. Like they're in love with the personality, not so much like just focusing on the policies. And I saw people do the same thing with Bernie Sanders. And that's why I tried to prepare people. Guys, don't stand for these politicians. They're not going to be your heroes. Focus on the policies, but don't ever get to the point where you think that that one person is going to be your savior and is going to be the answer or you will be very disappointed and heartbroken. And I think that's what we saw with pasta last night. Well, that was the last straw, because if I can... How many times had, did RFK disappoint people? Because I know they, it started for Roger Waters, the letter thing. He praised them, and then he backed away. Then Pasta came to him, trying to get him to see reason. Pasta got shut down. Then Jimmy came on, and he Jimmy thought that he was going to work his magic on this dude. Somehow, he's going to convince him to see, the right, to, to see the light. But then Jimmy got so fucking... Uh, uh, Pulver, I basically dumped cement on, like literally dumped cement on him. Like he just dumped a bunch of bullshit on him. And Jimmy, and this is why I disagree with it, with this bullshit. Uh, what happened with the RFK thing? Uh, Jimmy didn't crit critique him when he was there. He waited until he left. He was like, he overwhelmed him with so much bullshit. I'm like, bro, he was right there. You could have told him that. You could have just stopped and say, hey, that's bullshit. I want to hear it. Stop the conversation. We don't want to have to talk about that. Just show that you know that he's basically saying some garbage that's not true. Because when Jimmy says he's out, he doesn't know. It's like I would compare this to Star Wars that you got um, what was the guy? This guy's Chris Hedges, Max Blumenthal, Aaron Monte. They're like three Jedi masters, and Jimmy Dore is like a Padawan. So how the fuck you tell me you you don't know that much? It's it's the it's because it's a Kennedy. He didn't want to upset a Kennedy. And he fucked stunk he stunk up the place, and Jimmy's never been able to basically uh, uh, unstunk it or spray it because it seems like he's backed away quietly without saying anything. That's the same thing he did with Tulsi. Yep, yep. And they had to they had to force Jimmy Dore through a super chat to admit he was done with Tulsi because he wasn't well, saying shit. But this is why, see, this is why you can't like become in love with the personality because the thing is, is like. Yes, this did happen with Tulsi as well. Like, and, and it wasn't just him. I saw a lot of people like, you know, Tulsi was also interviewed at Jimmy's house and it was a similar situation where there wasn't that pushback the way that it should have been. And I'm not saying you have to yell at RFK Jr., but if I see you sitting up there yelling at Cornell West and disrespecting him so much to the point where I see people in the chat saying, yeah, 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 get his ass, get his ass. And at the same time, I see people saying, this is so disrespectful, da, da, da. You know, it, it was very, very telling to me. It's like, is it that you just don't want to upset your audience? Because I'm going to tell you, but after what I saw last night, when everything was cool, and then he started criticizing RFK, and then people started losing their shit in the chat. But like I said, they would have been better prepared for that if Jimmy would have challenged him in such a substantial way, just like the way that I did, like everything that I've laid out for you guys from Sunday show and tonight show about this particular issue, 
Jimmy could have done the same damn thing. The same way he wrote up something to challenge and push back against Cornell West, he could have done that same thing for RFK Jr. The thing is, some of these people are friends and they're all in the same circles. David Sachs, who I told you about tonight and I've told you about before, he's also been on Jimmy's show. So David, David Sachs, a billionaire, he's friends with RFK. He's helping RFK fund his campaign and stuff like that. You can't get into circles with these people in such this way. So like, yes, like I got to meet Cornell West. It was great to, to meet him, but I don't know Cornell West like that. It's not like we homies and bros, you know what I'm saying? So that's the thing. This is why I continue to tell people you can't be friends with these politicians. You can be acquaintances with them, but once you become their friend and they're running, they're going to expect that support from you. And if you treat them in such a way, like if he would have treated RFK the way that he treated Cornell West, do you think RFK would ever probably ever come back on that show or continue some type of relationship with Jim? No. And Jimmy knew that. And and where, honestly, like, where is Jimmy? Uh, he's on vacation. Oh, he's he's basically doing some uh, what do you call it? Uh, Stand up comedy. He was on uh, he was on JB, not not JB. He was what Nick and CJ last time was on the road. What? Where has Jimmy been since the Cornell West interview, though? He's been on the road. Uh, he, I think he was on vacation, and then he went. He, he was on the road afterwards. Okay. I mean, it's just it's just weird to me. It seems like. Everybody sees the silence. Like I, I've saw people call it out on Twitter and they're like, Jimmy, why aren't you saying anything about the shit that RFK Jr. put out on Twitter? Like everybody sees it. That's because but you can, but you can come on RBN and you can scream and yell about Cornell West. Where's that same energy for your, your boy RFK? Y'all don't, y'all don't see the difference. I guess it's the vaccine thing that broke them. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the vaccine, too, but I don't let that shit, like, have a big chunk of my brain <laughs> function on it. And when it comes to the, the viewership, I mean, it seems like it's the COVID shit that they're more interested in. But I'm like, what about the anti-war shit? Are you not for that? That's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of these people spoke at the Rage Against the War Machine rally. And now they're telling people, we need to fund Israel. We need to send Israel arms. Even if we need to send troops, we need to do that too. So some of these same people. And that's why Daniel McAdams, who also spoke at the Rage Against War Machine rally, even he called out RFK's ass on Twitter. Like, yeah. this is just it. I'm, I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Did you guys mean any of that shit that you said at that rally on that stage? Or was this just another event for you to go to because you guys were hoping that a presidential campaign was going to come from it. And I think that's what it really was. Because looking back on it, RFK spoke at the Defeat the Mandates rally. I really think, and I would not be surprised, if they didn't try to get RFK Jr. to speak at that Rage Against the War Machine rally too. And I think that was probably going to be the catalyst to kick off his campaign. I want to bet. I'd put money on it. I bet you that's what the plan was. What wasn't wasn't the plan is was to get Jimmy to run for office that when Nick Bronner was fucking lying online and basically saying Jimmy said he's gonna run. And I'm like, wait, Jimmy, aren't you gonna talk to your boy here lying about you running for office? Even though that, you say But even then, Jimmy had already said on his show he's not running for president. And Steph has said that as well. They had already said it on the show, and that's what leads me to think. That's what I'm trying to tell you. When I interviewed Anya 
Anya said, yeah, he talked about running for president back at the Defeat the Mandates rally. That was January of 2022, the Mandates rally in California. So RFK Jr. was already thinking about it then. And then the Rage Against the War Machine rally was in later that February because I went to D.C. and I covered that event. So what I think was going to I think what they were trying to do, I really think they were going to try to get RFK Jr. to be one of the speakers at the Rage Against the War Machine rally. And I think that 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 was going to be the thing that came out of it. The announcement that RFK Jr. was running for president because he announced in what was that April? He announced in April when I covered his announcement. He probably was booked or busy and probably couldn't make it to be a speaker for the, the rally. But I really do feel like that was the plan. Because when the other rally happened and the one I just went to in D.C., there have been multiple anti-war Ukraine rallies that have happened like since then. And none of those people have gone to those rallies in D.C. And they most of them live there. Most of them. That's what you guys don't understand. When I go to D.C., most of the commentators live in that area, live in Maryland, D.C. or Virginia. So where was all the support for the rally that happened after the Rage Against the War Machine rally, which actually had more people than the Rage Against the War Machine rally, the one that was sponsored by Code Pink and Answer Coalition. They had people there by the thousands and there were no celebrities there. So notice you didn't see that same crossover. That's what I'm that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Well, I think it was done by the Libertarian Party. And I think because a lot of people were shitting on it online, so they probably didn't want to do anything with them. Although they could have been they could have had if they wanted to. I don't know if Colt Pink would have wanted them there. So I guess it was that. You could have attended the rally without being a speaker. (laughs) It's like so that's the thing. Like I wasn't a speaker. Yeah, as for the the guy you had on, what the fuck was this guy talking about? <laughs> it's, like he, it's like he wasn't even ready for the questions you were giving him. Look, and you let me know if you feel like I was being too hard, but oh, I I really I really did not understand where he was coming from. I felt like he was flip flopping because one minute he was like. Yeah, we should have a border wall. Then he was like, no, I don't believe in borders. And I'm like, so which is it? Yeah, I was like, yo, pick a pick a line, bro. Like, even if even I'm for the idea of borders, I, I feel like a country should have a border. But I'm like, why can't you fucking say one or the other? Like, you're flip-flopping. And there's a point where you ask him about the healthcare shit. And you ask him, do you want Medicare for all? There's a point he, talk, he talks to him and says, oh, no, I don't want to get rid of insurance companies. I'm like, what the fuck? You want them to be still tied to the healthcare industry? You can't make them just, you know, take their fucking uh, distances away. That's how the healthcare is in Canada. They're not part of the healthcare system, for what, for, from what I know. Because if I want to have a private insurance company, I have to go get it. But it's okay, not- so, so I wasn't hearing things, correct? Because he said he wanted he wanted not to get rid of the uh, insurance companies when you told him that. You said you, said you don't want you don't. He clearly didn't do his homework. Um, I think he might have came on there and I don't know, maybe he thought maybe he could try to sway you with the, with the whole R&B singing and everything. Yeah, yeah. He looked like an R&B singer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it might it might work going because he looked kind of young and it might work on, you know, girls his age or whatever the case is. I don't know. But, you know, all I saw was... Um, a teacher grading a paper 
Yeah. And the student was trying to give you, give the teacher an apple or something. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he didn't do himself any favors. I mean, if he prob if he thinks he walked away <laughs> with a W, oh, he got a fucking D. No, he know he didn't. He know he didn't. Um, but on top of that, it was like, like the most trashiest <laughs> presidential de- uh, interview I've ever seen on a savvy show. Like he didn't basically do anything. It's like who the fuck basically uh, prepped you for this? And then he has his like um his presentation. They were so fucking long. I was like, yes, Savvy, yes. Nobody's going to fucking want to read all that shit. Put bullet points. On top of that, he um, he said something about 16 years old, if you're under 16 years old, something about drugs and sex or something like that. And I was like, well, so wait a minute, 16 years old is good then? Like, he didn't even at least started at 18 years old. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get that part. I, was, I came seven minutes late. Probably because in, in, I think probably because in most states, the age of 16 is the age of consent or something. That's probably why he went with that age. People still do, people are still doing that shit. Yeah. And, and, uh, like you said, the immigration thing and the, and the healthcare thing, he, he couldn't, he was, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Wasn't he part of the green party? Yeah. So how are you not getting to the left of the Democrat party? How, how is it that you're waffling on this? I mean, I would have accepted if he said, if they came in, he sent them back, but he was going to basically make sure to get rid of the sanctions and let those Latino countries just work together like their own little bricks. I would have accepted that question. Yeah, but all in all, you're supposed to be left of the Democrat Party if you're a Green Party. Simple as that. If, if, if the Democrats say antitrust, you say nationalize. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if they say unions, you say cooperatize. That's the, how that's supposed to work. But anyway, yeah, the healthcare thing—the healthcare thing—really threw me for a loop because I asked him, like, "Do you agree with something like Medicare for all, universal healthcare?" And he said, "Yes." But then he goes on to explain that you know people would be able to opt in. That's he's like they would have a choice whether they want to join that or they want to keep their insurance they have. I'm like, so you would still keep private insurance around? And he was like, well, no. And I'm like, well, you just said that people could opt in. Like they could choose to keep their healthcare insurance if they they wanted to. So you do want to keep private insurance around. Go ahead, Eric. I think he was trying to to pitch some concept of like, like building or having like an alternate society, like beside the current one was I, was I think was kind of the utopian kind of thing i guess he was going for and so i guess in this you know alternate society then it would have all the good stuff of you know healthcare and and you know legalize everything and all and so then people could choose to come to that but you know it wasn't really it was pretty half-baked you know in in general and and, you know i just think any any plan like that is just going to get crushed by by the billionaires and the in the current society is is the big core problem. You didn't like having you know paychecks. What's that, Roger? What was like that? Paycheck, Eric, or having something? Say again, Rog. You didn't like happy paycheck. I'm not getting you. Happy paycheck. He said happy something. <laughs> we said oh, a lot of yeah. things. Well, I was just going 
confusing. You know what I was thinking? And honestly, I, I, think, he, I think he meant by having a good living wage by happy paycheck. That's what I think he means. Oh, okay. Well, I was. Just, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I just, uh, guys, I was trying my hardest not to laugh at one part because when I caught him with the healthcare thing, like I tried not to. I was trying my hardest not to laugh because the first thought that entered my head was that scene from the movie Menace to Society when the detective was sitting there with the guy and he said, "See, you know you fucked up, right?" <laughs> I never saw that movie. I didn't see that movie, but I know Roger sent me that fucking clip. One time oh on DMs, go, go. I was like, what "Wait, the fuck go is ahead, this? go ahead, um, go ahead and share." I'm gonna find it on YouTube. I'm gonna play that part for people for people who haven't seen that movie because that I'm part like, is. Cool. Like, I'm like, like, what, what the, the fuck, fuck, fuck is Sabrina? Just look. You know you fucked up, right? <laughs> I was like, this is you. This is you with the black community. You know you fucked up, right? Sabrina, I said I DM'd you that. Sabrina, I DM'd you that. So just look in your DMs. Okay, I'll look there and you go ahead, Noel. I thought it was interesting that he opened up talking about detoxing his pineal gland from fluoride and then having this, I guess, epiphanous awakening and so much of the universe just came to him or whatever. But it was apparent to me that he had done all this work in visualizing what he would believe to be a type of almost utopian society, but he had not rooted his concept of running for president in the here and now. He did not think that through to build the transition from what we have now to what he has imagined, he just fleshed out what he has imagined. So when you begin questioning him based on what the current existent is, he was not prepared to delineate those bridges that would get you from here to there. So, you know, I thought you did a great job of trying to gently suggest that if you are elected president and if you are serious about running, you have to be prepared as if you are ready for day one. You don't have time to say, well, we'll figure out domestic policy and then we'll let that lead foreign policy. You have to have hit the ground with what you how you will contend with the realities of what we see now. And then you move to those to the vision. He was just all consumed in the vision. And that's why he got, you know, caught up because. You know, when you rooted the questions in the here and now and what we see, he had not really thought that through. And it was obvious. And, you know, I'm just like, boy, go sit down. But, you know, it takes. But what did you say? What did you say? He, 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 you said something right now, Noel, something that he did something first. He, he, he opened up the discourse talking about you know, birds and how they, you know, can understand to when a storm is coming and all this other stuff. No, I because the, something about a sweat gland. I'm like, what the fuck? Well, no, that's what he was saying. He was relating that to the birds and their pineal gland or something of that nature. And then he talked about how in humans, we 
you know, consume a fair amount of fluoride through toothpaste and it calcifies our pineal gland, which blocks us from having more access to information that the universe is just having available. And so he talked about he did a detox or decalcification of his pineal gland or something to that effect. And that's when he started having you know, so much information available to him at his fingertips. And, you know, he described what almost sound like an awakening or an epiphany and all this stuff start coming to him. And he took the time to flesh it out and write it down and this and that. And that was the gist of what was anchoring his platform, that process. And I thought that was, you know, an interesting way to approach because, Right away, it starts to say, uh, okay, but you <laughs> know, like he was tripping, yeah. Look at the chat because he, he sounded a bit like Brady. Like, <laughs> I was like, Am I am I hearing the black Brady? I'm like, <laughs> This guy was he was everywhere. It's like, I thought he was high at some point. I tried not to look in the chat because I looked over one time and someone said, This guy is running to be Marianne's VP, and I was like, You know what. <laughs> I'm just gonna look away. I'm just gonna look I'm away. Like, I, I didn't hear nothing about like uh, banks, like public banking. I didn't think I heard nothing about. Um, did he talk about crime? No, but someone just Amer. I'll bring him back because we didn't have as much time. But American Autopsy just said in the chat, "Wait, so he wasn't brushing his teeth?" Question. Yeah, and I was like, when Noel brought up the toothpaste shit, I'm like, wait, is that some kind of new flavor now for marijuana? Like marijuana toothpaste? Do I now have to? go brush my teeth to see the future right now. <laughs> but, you know, he was, like I say, you could tell his idea of the campaign was rooted in some vision he has. It was not rooted in starting from where we are now and thinking these problems through and coming up with solutions so that when Savvy asked him about, you know, the border and this and that, he had not considered those things. He was just coming from his vision. Which is why he said, you know, we have had these things languished in a different way for us. And, you know, but it, even if that's the case, you have to meet the American populace where it is. You don't get to introduce a new language and expect us to get to where you are. You have to be prepared for those transitions. And he just clearly wasn't, which is why he sounded kind of. Yeah. All right. he, he, let he, me play. Let me play the clip real quick, Ashura. This is the part, this is the scene, the little scene, I think it's like a, a little over a minute, from Ministry Society. This is the scene called, You Know You Fucked Up. It's Bill Duke. This is the part, everybody, listen, listen to this. So Bill Duke is the detective, and the other guy, I forget the guy's name, shit, it's been a long time since I watched this movie. Tyree? Huh? I think it's Tyree. Tyree something? Tyree. So Tyree is um, in the interrogation room. And Bill Duke is interrogating him. Listen to this. Let me get this right. You bought the bottle of beer about 11.15. I bought the beer and I accidentally dropped it. You bought a bottle of beer about 11.15. Yeah, I, I left 15 up. Yeah, 11 15. Why was my bottle still? Why did the bottle still? 
The volume, Sabrina. Huh? Up the volume. Is the volume low? Okay, let me pull it up on. I'll pull it up on Type VNC because that way I can adjust the volume. That's the cool thing about Type VNC. I'm sorry. It's just this scene is very. Every time I see this scene, I try not to laugh because it actually is a serious discussion. Like, if, like in the movie. Um, let me put it up here. Paste. Oh, I can hear it. Is this the people in the chat said they, they can't hear it? Yeah, it's probably because the volume is low. Hold on. Paste. Because I can use volume booster on chat. Um, can, Sabrina. Hmm? So can I give a, um, what's that word? Why he was there in the first place, like a little a little uh, cliff notes. So, at the beginning of the movie, him and Lorenz Tate were it were at a uh, you know one of those five you know a shop where you buy beer and soda and whatever the case was. And um, what happened was the the Korean lady was was seeing if they was going to steal something, so she made believe that um, she was dusting by them and then Lorenz Tate was just like yo what the hell's wrong with you why are you over here for we're not just stealing nothing blah 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 whatever the case was and then um, they had an argument whatever the case was so then um, Tari was just like come on let's go and then when they were getting ready to leave the person's the woman's husband said I feel sorry for your mother and Lorenz Tate said what you say about my mama and then they, and then what happened was a scuffle broke out. They took him. He, Lorenz Tate, took both of them into the back and killed them. And and Tyree was just like, oh shoot! And in the bottle uh, that he was drinking fell on the floor. And then they got out of there. But they said, hold up, get the tape, get the tape, get, you know, because you know the, the back then it was VCRs. So get the tape, get the tape. So they got the tape and they ran out of there. So that's what leads up to this scene. To put this in, I'm gonna see you email this link to you. Can you put this? Because you've got to put it in stream. I'm gonna email you this link so we can, can, if you could just put it in StreamYard like you usually do, and then I can use the volume booster because the volume on the video is low. Um, All right, so I just sent it to you. Um, link from Colin Vid. I don't know if Eric, Eric, can you hear me? Maybe I don't know. Did Eric hear me? Let me see. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I just sent it to you. It's titled Link for Colin Vid. If you can put it into StreamYard so I can play it that way, I can use the booster just because the volume is really low. But way to, way to set that up, though, um, Roger. Yeah, it's important. I don't think, for people who haven't seen that movie, if there's one movie I think you should see 
Like everybody always says like menace, um, Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood is great, but Menace to Society is on a whole different level. Wouldn't you say that, uh, Roger? Yes. It's different because this guy, like his grandparents warned him multiple times about, you know, getting his life together. And it's like the moment, I don't want to give too much away, but I just feel like if he would have listened to like what his grandma told him, kept trying to tell him to do, he wouldn't have gotten in that situation. I don't know if everybody in, um, I don't know if everybody in uh, the chat has seen, let me see if anyone in the chat said anything about, yeah, Minister Society, I think it's, I think it's one of the best uh, roles that Lorenz Tate played, to be honest with you. In my opinion, into that room and finally for the uh, oh, one, second, one one second, Ashura. What were you saying, Eric? Can you get into that test room in in Streamyard? Okay, to pick up the audio. I think this will work. All right, one second, Ashura. Sorry, I just want to make sure. Okay, and then um. Enter in here. Okay, I'm in the test room. Let me share this. And then do I need to add myself? Oh yeah, I added myself. Just I guess I don't need to add myself, but whatever. I'm here. Almost wait, not that one. Not that button. The other button. You fool. All right. Do that. Do some audio. Cause I always tell people like for real. I really do think is especially let me tell you if you guys got kids or maybe you're a grandparent and your kids get into that you, the kid or the grandparent they're getting to that point in their life as a teenager where they're starting to hang out with the wrong people show them this movie <laughs> show them this movie <laughs> maybe they'll change their mind so can you hear this on your computer sabrina let me see um I can hear it loud and clear. Okay. Can you, can you guys? I think we got it. Don't listen to me, little bitch. <laughs> I want to ask you some real simple questions and I want some real simple answers. Definitely. 
12.15. Yeah, it was 12.15. Exactly. If I'm not mistaken, it was Let's see something. Now you see now. You done fucked up, you know that, don't you? I see what I'm saying. No, I, I thought... You know what I'm saying? You done I, fucked up now, you know that, don't you? <laughs> the more questions that cop asked, the more I thought I wasn't going to never see daylight again. This time you said you bought the bottle of beer. I was just waiting for them to tell me they seen that damn videotape. But they hadn't. I, yeah, I... No, you don't fuck that jump. No, you don't. No, you don't fuck that. Without the tape, they had nothing. That's what I thought of. <laughs> That's what I thought of when he said, uh, you know, you know, you done fucked up, right? That's what I thought of when, when dude said the thing about the healthcare and he was just like, then they can opt in. And I was like, oh, so you're, you would still keep private insurance. Well, no, I wouldn't. I was like, no, nah. I said, now see, and I had to catch myself. Because I said the now see, because that's what I was thinking in my head. I had to catch myself and say, no, Sabs, you can't say, you know. <laughs> so, you know what I think? I have a theory here. I, I think he's actually a time traveler from the future. And in the future, we have all these things. We have this utopia. And now he's come back and he's just really confused now because time traveling messes you up. Really? Did he, did he also wrote that, those gay shit, those gay messages for Joanne Reed? Do you not remember uh, Joanne Reed's like uh, when she got caught saying homophobic shit, and she was like, "Oh, time tra time traveling hackers put those messages." That was his buddies. That was somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was funny. She wrote a blog and she said, "It wasn't me. It was time traveling hackers." Oh my, please! Oh my god! And 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 it got weirder with this guy. There's a point where he even brings up the border. How are you going to protect the border? He's like, I'm going to bring on the MIC. I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> You're going to the military at the border? Thank you. Did you, guys see, did you I guys see when Afini, you guys see when Afini came on, Afini said, Sab's girl. She said, I, look, we're going to have to talk in private after. She's, I'm not going to say it on here. We'll talk in private. <laughs> Was it about the guy? I'm pretty sure <laughs> oh, <so laughs> because they were in the background. Like when we were finishing up towards the end, Afeni and, and Chuck, they were still in the studio. You guys just couldn't see them because I didn't select to bring them on the screen yet, but people can be in backstage in the studio. Yeah. They can hear and see everything that's happening. Yeah. I, 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 I was, I saw that. Um, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, that. Thanks for reminding me about that because he was just like, "I'm gonna listen to the military generals." I'm like, "Wait a minute! I thought you were green." Hey, I'm gonna put the military up at the border. Wait a minute! I thought you were green. Bruh. I just. <laughs> oh lord. Yeah, and for as for the Israel thing, what is wrong with Nimrada these days? Like. This girl bleaches her skin just to appear white and changes her name on top of that, and she pretends that she's she forgets that she's Hindu. Like she thinks she, I thought she was a white woman. Turns out she was Hindu all along. I guess she, she no, bleached. she's 
Nikki Haley is Sikh. If you see her without her makeup on, she's actually darker. And how how does she appear so light on camera? Is it the lighting or is it she's putting something on? I think she's biracial, isn't she? She's Sikh. Her parents are, are Sikh. Her parents, Nikki Haley's parents were immigrants. So they are, um, if I remember correctly, they are Brahmin Indians. So yeah, Nikki Haley is not white. I thought she was at least half white. No, both of her parents are are Sikh. Both of them. Um, that's why I keep telling people that's not her name. Yeah, that's what she, she goes by. Color her green because she's chasing the money. That's all I think. Would would someone want to vote for somebody who's basically acting fake, basically trying to pander to somebody? Or you want somebody to be actually a real person? Why you she's, have to hide it? She's done that most of her life. Like what people got realized, like, so I went to college in I graduated from college in Columbia, South Carolina, but Nikki Haley grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. And South Columbia, South South Carolina is very racist. Like when I went to college there, they were still flying the Confederate flag at the state house, you guys. Like right in the middle of downtown. Gervais Street, like they were still flying it, and there was like protests to like take down the flag and everything. And uh, Nikki Haley, she was one of those. She was one of the. How can I say it? Like she was one of the the Indians that went to the prestigious white school in Columbia. So she didn't go to. I think she started out at public school, if I remember this correctly, and then her parents like switched her to the white private school. So throughout her life, Nikki Haley tried to find ways to kind of blend in with the white students at her school. But she's Sikh. Mm-hmm. I can tell you some things. I can tell you about like when she ran for governor. I remember she ran for governor of South Carolina as a Republican. And one of the Republican politicians in the South Carolina State House said, we already got a raghead in the White House. We don't need one in the State House, too. Yeah, I heard you say that before in calling. I thought the Sikhs were basically Muslim, though. I don't think her parents were Christian. I have to look it back up because I read about this one time before. I don't think her parents were Christians. But I think Nikki Haley adopted that. Nikki Haley's father taught at an all-black college in South Carolina. So Nikki Haley is very, I will be very clear with you. Nikki Haley is very familiar with black struggle and black plight, particularly in the South, because her father taught an all black school and she used to go to that school with her father to go to that school to see her father work. So she tried to, as time went by, she found ways to separate herself from the African-American community. She started out that way, but once she went to that private school, that white school, that was when she tried to blend and assimilate more with white Americans. But that's not where she came from. That's not where her back her background was. Her father taught in all black school, African-American school, and she was predominantly among black communities. And then she decided to pivot away from that because she realized that obviously she can make more money if she got along with white people in Columbia, South Carolina.
Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's gross. Because Norm Filkenstein talked about that. They even brought up Tulsi Gabbard. They both called her out on it. Uh, they also called out Bernie Sanders, by the way. Um, he called Bernie Sanders a fucking disgrace. Well, he didn't say fucking. I, I'm just saying like that. He's, he called him a fucking disgrace. Because he says Bernie Sanders loves to use his Jewishness when it comes to talking about the Holocaust. And that uh, the fact that he calls, he also called, mentioned that Bernie is an open Zionist now. Because he's don't Zionist. You, but don't you guys remember when Norm Finkelstein came on my show, me and him kind of clashed when it came to the Bernie part. Remember we had that clash. And I told him, I said, no, Norm, Bernie Sanders played people. Well, and yeah. That, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think you got to him there because he probably is a guy who's a little bit slow to get to where you are because he might see Bernie as something that what he wasn't. So he probably got a little bit, he, he got there a little bit slower. And by the time he's like, he's, he was calling him out in the interview. He said he's a disgrace. He's basically uh, facilitating the destruction of the Palestinian people. And then you're sending bombs to Ukraine, uh, rockets to Nazis. I'm like, he's like, what the fuck is going on? Yep. I want to make sure I go on to other people. Um, I'll go ahead. So I'm, I'm just going to hang up. Okay. All right. Let's bring in a kid and then I'll go to uh, Noel because I think Noel didn't really get a chance. Go ahead, a kid. Oh, thank you, Savvy. Hey, good evening, everybody. Hopefully, everybody's doing well. I see a lot of the, the crew here. Some, some of them don't get to speak much. Hopefully, some someday these guys are actually going to talk like uh, Gamer. I'm interested to hear what Gamer sounds like and also Pilgrim. <laughs> so, um, anyways, I wanted to say hi to those Gamer guys. Gamer from time. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. Who Gamer's, Gamer's always on. I mean, he's literally like on every show. He's like one of the most devoted, savvy uh, audience guys, crew, whatever. So He's very uh, quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not on the chat, but he's, yeah. But, you know, going back to Nikki... She was underqualified for a position in, in the UN. I don't know what her title was, but that time, that that position that she was given by Trump, she was underqualified. And from the very beginning, when she got on the UN, she was advocating very hard for Israel. And uh, on the gray zone, they were showing how she was basically, literally on her knees, begging some of the other people to vote for something. And she was going around in the UN Council. I don't know what you call it, but the, the the little theater when they all get together, and she was begging these guys for a vote for something that was going to benefit essentially Israel. Uh, and it was very telling then that you know she was going to advocate hard, very very strongly for these guys because more than likely they're, they're they're putting money in her pockets in a sense, and that's why she's doing that. Uh, and she's been and she's going to continue to do it. I mean, some of the things that she said are just crazy, you know, like how she's advocating to essentially get rid of uh, these people, you know, to, to do away with them. And uh, today, I think that I don't know if it's today or yesterday, but I saw the clips of, of that professor uh, on uh, Jimmy's show. But Jimmy wasn't on it. It was pasta. And he was really breaking down how uh, the Palestinians had had no option. Right. Of what they've done because of all these things that have happened to them. Uh, but, you know, one of my observations is that, you know, as I talk to other people that are not really listening to independent media is that they're very much about this. They're actually 
on the side of Israel, most people, because they're here in America, because of what's being pumped through the airwaves, whether it's Fox or, or MSNBC or what have you, uh, the Israel propaganda is so strong uh, that most people will, will kind of weigh in on that side, even people of color. But what I've also found, like today, I started a conversation with one of my coworkers as he started to tell me how bad he felt for the people there, meaning the Israelis. And I kind of said, hey, you know, what do you know about the history of Hamas? And what do you know, uh, you know, has anybody ever talked to you about that? And, and, and I always break it down and say, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not advocating for one or the other other than, you know, people should be treated fairly. And it's unfair what they've done to the Palestinians. And are you aware that they're basically in a prison all these years and they've been getting murdered and we don't hear about it? And then I kind of gave him an example. I said, hey, what if you and I were brothers and you had lost your leg and I lost my arm and now we had kids and we've been growing up in this place and we can't even leave the place to go to a hospital. If we got sick and we got you know really sick, we can't leave. We have to go to Israel to give us the right of way to go get treated. At some point, I said, we're going to lose our minds and we're going to do whatever it takes. And then our kids are going to want to fight even more, you know, which is what it's happening. Uh, but I did want to bring something up, Savvy. Uh, what do you think? Do you think this was just allowed to happen? Because Israel has supposedly like the best security system and the best network of spies in the world. I mean, they literally, the U.S. actually pays some of their um, security firms to investigate people. They, they actually do a lot of dirt finding on people. So how could this get passed? You know, how, was this allowed to, to, to happen, I guess is what I'm asking. So I believe that Netanyahu would allow it to happen so that he has an excuse to get rid of the Palestinian people, to kill the Palestinian people. I believe he would do that. Um, because one of the things that has been released recently that I showed tonight is that uh, Egyptian intelligence said that they had already warned and notified Netanyahu that an attack was coming. They had already notified him. Now, he claims that's not true, but do you guys really believe what this motherfucker says? Like, he's been lying for years. So the thing is, is like, they... They say that they did warn him. And I, like I said, people need to start asking questions. You mean to tell me all of a sudden one night they just decided not to be, do, not to do their shift, not to be at their post, and this was allowed to happen? No. I don't it, buy it, that. It, yeah, that, that could not happen. They allow this to happen, I think, to get support from the outside countries, from the U.S., what have you. They, they've done this for a reason. And, and they've allowed it to happen so they can gain uh, support for them, which is what's happening right on the, on the populist side in the U.S. But my understanding is that outside of the U.S., you know, basically across the world, especially in the global south, people are not buying this. You know, they're not buying into this narrative. And most people, which is the majority of the world, I think are going to be more supportive of the Palestinians. Because of what's been happening for so many years, right? I saw, I saw something recently that said more Americans are starting to side with the Palestinians. And look That's at all right. the people who came to those rallies, all the people, the, the hundreds and thousands of people out in the streets 
and America saying stand with the Palestinian people, more people are starting to wake up to it because I think the big catalyst for a lot of people was 2021 when we actually saw them pushing people out of their homes. Like we saw that on the news, like video footage of that. And I'm like, you know, Jamal Bowman and his punk ass right now on Twitter saying like, this is terrible. It's terrible to say you stand with Palestine. You're applauding the death of like civilians. And I'm like, motherfucker, you didn't say shit when the Palestinians were being killed and slaughtered, when they were giving them poisoned water. Do you guys realize 95% of the water in Gaza is dirty water? Do you realize they only give them like 40% electricity? And that's just not in reference to you having electricity in your house. That's in reference to you having electricity at the hospitals. They are slowly killing these people. If I'm giving you dirty water and I'm reducing the electricity, so if you need to operate uh, the hospitals in a certain way and you can't do so because I just shut the electricity off, you know, they're poisoning these people. They distributed uh, white phosphorus. And I had to look it up because I didn't know what that was. But white phosphorus is extremely toxic to human beings. Like, that is actually a war crime. They are trying to kill all of these fucking people. Well, and I the guess U.S. government is, is supporting it. They, they, they want to, I, I guess the, that professor was talking about on Jimmy's show, I mean, Norman something, Norman F. I can't, I, I can't yeah. remember his full last name, but... I want to say Norman Frankenstein, but it's not that. Finkelstein. It's Finkelstein. Yeah, yeah, that guy, you know, he was basically explaining how they're going to starve these people to death. They're not going to allow any medicine. And like to your point, they're not going to give them energy, power. And that is, you know, definitely, you know, you lose hope. You know, when you have no hope, uh, that's what happens when people have no hope. It's, it's when they go all out, you know, they're, they're, they're willing to die because there's nothing to look forward to. Well, what I want to explain to people is what people have to understand is even when it comes to the food, it's not like how it is for us where we can just like go to the grocery store and buy food. All the food, everything comes through the gate. Israel controls the food. They control the air. They control everything. So if they decide cut off all the food and everything, which has already been announced, then though the Palestinian people get no food. That's why some people are saying it's more like a concentration camp because they're deciding what goes in and what comes out. They can't even grow, the, the Palestinians, they can't even grow their own food. And, and another thing too, Savvy, you know, I was talking to you about, uh, you know, the influence that, that Hollywood has. The lack of narratives that are pro-Palestinian. There's been, you know, some documentaries out there, very few. I think Abby Martin had something uh, where she actually talked to people there. Uh, but there hasn't been like one breakthrough movie or show or w- whatever you want to call it, one that really captivated the masses. One, because the mainstream media, the, the, the networks, uh, the Hollywood, whatever powers that be, are not going to allow that narrative, that movie to get out there to just show the light of, you know, how bad it is there. Because if it got out and people could see it, you know, I I mean, you know, if everyone could see how bad it is, more people are going to fall into the side of supporting the Palestinians. It's happening. It is happening. And it's it's growing, right? But that's been a big thing is that the, the powers that be in Hollywood maintain 
the psyche of the minds of the people in the U.S. and across the world because their narrative, that narrative never never really gets told. Uh, and that, that keeps us, you know, thinking the way that we do in a way. And, and that goes for everybody, you know, because I look on Instagram and I'll find people that are people of color you know, big, you know, like saying, you know, we stand with, with Israel and I'm like, Hey, do you know that you probably have more in common with the people of color in Palestine and their plight than you do with the folks in Israel, but you don't know it because you've been, you know, brainwashed to think the other way. Uh, but it is, yep. you know, it is changing. So. Yep. Yep. No, you're hundred percent. Let's bring in, um, Noel. Um, good evening, everybody. You know, I think this this whole Israel Palestine Palestine thing is very interesting. But what I was thinking about was why now? Because we know that you know Israel has had an iron fist on Palestine. But I think what a part of the motivating force is is that the whole geopolitical arena is shifting. I think America is witnessing the, the changing of the global order and they need to move quickly with this situation in the Middle East because they want a foothold because they know this whole situation with Egypt and, you know, Saudi Arabia, Iran and all this, these things are not going to remain in the ordinals that they are especially given that America, you know, American dominance is not likely to be what it has been. And so it's like, okay, we need to move on this now, especially with the American political scene looking so precarious in terms of whether, you know, Biden will be the next Democratic nominee, whether Trump will be able to run and this and that. So that introduces a lot more instability into what the equation looks like. And so I think there was this, you know, need to move now. Um, and so this whole thing was, I think, I can't imagine a scenario where Israel would just be taken by total surprise. I can't imagine that. So, but then when you think about it, that means the, the Israelis, that were killed during this situation were really sacrificed to a certain extent by the Israeli government. And that was the price Israel was willing to pay to try and build this, you know, super justification for going ahead and wiping Palestine right on off. But it will destabilize that region of the world because there is a religious connectivity in that region for the Palestinians. Like they were saying, there was some instability going on with Hezbollah at the other end. And so these people, you know, and if Israel is successful in eliminating and completing this genocide against the Palestinians, they will never see peace in that region of the world. It is not going to end well for them. Because the bottom line is, it's an occupation. And people, you know, history is long and peoples in that region, they understand what it is. So, you know, I just think the whole thing is a hot mess. But to me, it is also clear 
the strength of the Jewish lobby in this nation for the Jewish, you know, Americans to be some a real minority, they will outsize power, especially politically. And, you know, it's, that's why it's just so taboo to even talk about those issues. And it will take Jewish Americans to stand up, you know, and take this issue on to avoid, you know, the the cry of anti-Semitism and this and that. So it will take Jews to speak up like Norm Finkelstein and, you know, Chuck Modi, who you had on today, and these types of people, because, you know, they will be labeled self-hating Jews or whatever, but they can speak and avoid the stigma of anti-Semitism. But it's clear that the Jewish lobby has a grip on the American body politic like you won't believe. And they took Ilhan Omar to task for saying it's all about the Benjamins. But, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know. But I, you know, I just think it's we're in a real transition period here in the world. And who knows where all this will land. But I think it's really dangerous. Hey, Savvy, I did want to I did want to touch. I agree with everything Noel said in her assessment. I just want to touch on something because I know Max Blumenthal was talking about uh, that. And I can't remember the other gentleman in the show, but they were basically saying that. Israel may not be ready for what may be coming, even if this. Yeah, now, they, they didn't uh, you know, allude to the fact that maybe maybe this was allowed by by Israel, but they were making the point that the people in support of, of, of the Palestinians, Hamas, and other organizations in the area, pro-Palestinian, that these people are ready to fight. And that apparently Israel has gotten, you know, beat before. I can't remember what year they said, but, you know, this will, could bring about more support for the Palestinians that could turn in a way really bad for the, for the Israelis because there's more people out there willing to go all out, you know, in some ways similar to like Vietnam, you know, where people are willing to fight guerrilla warfare and you couldn't really beat the, the, the Vietnamese because they were willing to die to the end. Uh, and there's that part of it too, you know, where people are just fed up with it and they're willing to go all out. And it's hard to beat people like that. Uh, so there, there's that part of it. Uh, and, and there was something yeah. else I wanted to go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that was it. I was just saying, yeah. <laughs> You know, so so that that's to me, I, I didn't know that, you know, so when, when Max was talking that, that, you know, that Israel could actually be beaten by them. Oh, yeah. The other point that I wanted to bring to you, Savvy, was that, you know, this is another way for uh, money, money laundering for the U.S. and, and the military, right, in the industrial complex, because now this will give them another reason for us to send more aid militarily to, 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 to Israel. And essentially make more money for these motherfuckers <laughs> that have been making money in the Ukraine uh, off of all the war weapons and what have you. More money that could be used here is going to be pumped over there and it's probably going to just get passed, which it's all about. that's probably what's coming. Um, that's what it's all about. Um, yeah, my... yeah, I don't I know. To... Was Roger going to say something? I wanted to piggyback on what Noel was saying. So the, about the, the international order breaking and stuff. So 
take a look at how everything is changing and the and the the gatekeepers are watching it all fall down first look at bricks you already know what's happening there then look at go to the entertainment industry so you was talking about the like the propaganda and stuff like that let me tell you something if you're generation x you didn't realize how propagandized you were um with the military industrial complex not until the millennials became grown-ups and was just like hey hold up look at this over here if you if you grew up when i did you got a heavy dose of gi joe after school cartoons you got the a-team you got all of these uh james bond movies um you got uh, uh top gun you know what I mean? And and, and, yep. and all of that, that, that put people in the military and so on and so forth. Now, what a sobering thing was, you at least had those Oliver Stone movies that put a, um, a damper or brought some reality to the military because Platoon came out right when I was recruiting age, and it scared me to death. I don't know if anybody saw Platoon, but that shit scared me to death. Death. I, I mean, I never thought about going into the military anyway, but that shit scared me to death. That's um, one of my favorite movies. And then, you, so, so you had Hamburger Hill, Full Metal Jacket, all these things. I was like, yo, that's what war is like? You know, so so that's breaking down. The, the, the gatekeepers and stuff, right? Then you got goodbye to uh, to network TV. Because everything is being democratized. You have the streaming services. The streaming services really ain't that good anyway. You know what I mean? They, you know, like that's a whole different story. So it's like um, they used to use the Hollywood, you know, the CIA, military industrial complex. Because um, they said like, they said, hey, if you guys want to use our stuff, like if you guys want to talk about it, we have to, like the CIA and Mike would tell Hollywood, yeah, we would have to approve, you know, like if you're going to do some stuff, we got to approve it first. Um, I knew there was something wrong. You know, like I had that. What do you call it? I had a guilty, a guilty pleasure of watching 24. Yes, I did. You millennials didn't make it to grown up hood yet. But I was just like, oh, I love this. But I just feel there's something wrong. I feel that they're kind of stereotyping Muslims and stuff. I was like, this, but I, I love this show. And then you had uh, Alias. I don't know if anybody ever watched Alias with Jennifer Garner. I there did. Was a, there was a part on there where uh, the guy in charge said, the CIA does not carry out assassinations. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. Uh, and I wasn't like educated like I am now, but I was just like, huh, that, for some reason, I don't feel right. But, you know, I kept watching. But now the whole order is coming down because now with all of the different democratization of the streaming services with YouTube heading away and they even trying to shut it down. They can't, they're trying so hard. Uh, meanwhile, the people who, um, you know, sadly, but as just a fact of life, those who grew up on, on TV, they're, passing on to the to the you know to the transitioning on to the next to the afterlife and if you take a look at all of the network tvs 
it's all catering to the boomer and silent mature crowd, how they're bringing back Magnum P.I. Uh, they have yep. this thing now called the Golden Bachelor. They have uh, bringing, I heard they bring it back Matlock. I was like, <laughs> dad used to watch Matlock. They my bring grandma, back. My grandma used to watch Matlock and Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? So th- this is this is this is what's what's happening all over. It's it's you know like I remember in I think Princess Leia in the first Star Wars movie told General Tarkin, you know, if you hold your fist if you hold your iron grip or fist too tight, people start slipping through. The 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 cracks or something like that. You hold you hold people down too tight, they start to slip slip through and you don't have that tight grip on them, you know, like you used to. And it's it's all happening to them all over the place. Um, the the whole thing with de-dollarization. Um, so it's it's so it's not just in one place. It's happening all over. I mean, I was just watching, reading um, in my local news where they was talking about how the Seinfelds and all of these different shows used to drive the culture, but but now you know, like all these shows, the Abbott. The, the Abbott Elementary, all these things are like barely holding on. It's kind of like how I see it is um, if you ever watch those uh, ast- astronomy shows or whatever where they show planets forming and they show you how it's dust but eventually it solidifies. So I think new planets are forming but it's in the dust cycle now and they're swirling around eventually will become to harden up. Now, here's something else. So for all we might say about RFK, I think there's one good thing that him and Cornell West are doing. They, they're putting a face on the independent movement. So me, of course, as a party abolitionist, you know what I mean, who wants to make political parties irrelevant. When I was listening to his speech, I was listening to the part where he was talking about the, the parties and so on and so forth and they control this and they control that. And I was like, hmm, has this guy been listening to, to Sabrina or something? And my comments about the parties or whatever the case was. So now that order is beginning to come down. You feel what I'm saying? So people are like, eh, I think I want something else. I think I want an independent person who's not a part of this 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 nonsense. And the Green Party is showing their ass with talking about, hey, we want some military people and we want to do this and we're not as left as we as you thought we were, and blah blah blah. And we've been around since 1996, and we still can't get off our ass to do sh- you know all different types of shit. You yeah. know what I mean? So, and you then, know, go ahead, Savvy. I'm going to make my last point. I know that on your Sunday show, you talked a little bit about uh, Biden's uh, indictment. What is it? Impeachment inquiry. But you you also found out, which I didn't know till I listened to your show, that I guess. Matt Gates was caught saying on a Zoom that basically this is all for show and it's not really to to go after Biden like legitimately like they should, which it, they really have. You know, I think that there's enough there to go after him more so than anything that Trump ever did. Uh, but it seems like it's all for show. I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. I want to let, let other people talk too, but that's one of the things. Thank you, Savvy. Yeah, yes. Um, so Matt Gates said they actually don't have any hardcore evidence to impeach Joe Biden and that this was all for show for Kevin McCarthy. And um, 
actually case study sent me contact info because case wants me to interview Matt Gates. Like I can't make no promises, but he wants me to interview Matt Gates and for one to talk to him about this, but for two to talk to him about the whole force the vote strategy, which the Freedom Caucus did and the squad did not. Um, but that's what Matt Gates uh, was. He was in a, a Zoom call and that's what he said. He said that Kevin McCarthy actually doesn't have it. Like Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan was the one who actually pushed it through from what I remember. They actually do not have any hardcore evidence to impeach Joe Biden. That's what he's saying. So if I interview him, I would like to ask him, like, what do you mean by that? And you I know, mean, what, what are you saying? Because I'm hearing plenty of evidence. So I, I actually took a drive last weekend and then I, I listened to the entire, like the whole, whatever you call it, when they were up there, you know, trying to, you know, when they spoke to the, the, the panel and whatnot, I, it, it, you know, it was like a three hour drive or whatever it was. And, and I listened to everything. And when at the end of it, you know, just trying to be reasonable to, you know, again, to what was what was being said, I legitimately believe there's enough there to go and find more because the inquiry is not to impeach him, but to have the the opportunity to look into more gathering more intel on Joe Biden so they can vote and say, yeah, we, we need to look further into this. And and definitely there's enough there to go look for more, is what I think. Thank you, Savvy. I think it's important to remember with all this stuff that all this stuff like with Democrats going after the Republicans, the Republicans going after the Democrats, it's all theater. It's all for show. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no real objective here other than to distract us from, you know, the real corruption, just from top down. So I think, I just think it's important to keep that in mind. That's right. That's a good point. Let's bring in a uh, notori and then I'll bring in Daniel. What's going on, Miss Notori? Bueno, I'm, <laughs> I'm just disgusted, frustrated, because after um, the Palestinian-Israel thing, it's just to see, like I already knew our government won't shit, but just to see nobody calling for peace, and you can tell they don't give a fuck, it's all about the money, and if they can do that to, well, I know they ain't started, but I feel like the U.S. government got their hands in a lot of shit, and I feel like they know something we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, like I've seen all these people, especially Nikki Haley. I, I'm glad I'm not. I can't do politics because I'll run down on a bitch twice. I'll be underneath the prison. But her, what she said was disgusting to me. And then I saw the other people. Like it's just. It's like my head about to fucking explode because it's like I be a little bit worried about like our government, the shit they've been doing for decades. And I feel like the people, the United States, gov I mean, the people is going to um, have to not answer to what our government is doing. But I feel like something is going to we're going to have to pay for the sins of what the war house do in our country. And I feel like people, um, some people are still brainwashed and watching CNN and stuff. And I feel like, um, like people actually, I feel like some people think that bombs have um, names on it. No, when people see you as American, they're going to just, they're going to want to just blow the shit up. It's just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I, I, I totally hear you. I think it's, it's a big problem. And I think that, um, 
you know, it's disgusting to me to even see like, not even just squad members, but like when I see black people like out here capping for Israel like that. And I'm like, you seriously, like, it's very clear to me that people don't really understand what this is about. I had to correct someone on Twitter earlier. I know um, Roger saw that. I had to correct someone on Twitter earlier because they basically were like, this is the best explanation I can find for the Israel-Palestine conflict. And I was like, uh, no. And it was basically, it was a black woman, which she had whitewashed history, which is something I'm very much against. And I've, I've talked about this before in reference to uh, MLK, Malcolm X, how we basically experienced whitewashing of history when it comes to our revolutionary uh, leaders that we've had in this country. So I'm, I'm very much against that. And so she created a TikTok video and someone shared it and they were just like, yeah, this is the best explanation I can find. Uh, and I had to come in on Twitter and say, no. I said, because no, they made it seem like Palestine was like, hey, you guys want to come stay with us? No, I had to say, no, that's not what fucking happened. They took their land. The land was fucking stolen. And I know Roger came into that conversation too. <laughs> Roger jumped into that Twitter the conversation discussion too, because I was like, oh, hell no. We're not going to let this circle around without some type of, you know, discussion about what really happened here. They made, basically made it seem like it was what we were taught about Native Americans and the pilgrims in this country. How we were taught that like, yeah, so the pilgrims came over and then they sat down together and they broke bed, bread and that was called Thanksgiving. Yeah, you just gonna leave out the fact that they slaughtered all these Native Americans in this country? They didn't sit down and have no damn Thanksgiving together. They killed those people. What about Columbus Day? What about Christopher Columbus? What about the fact that not only, okay, first, we knew he was, you know, a rapist, plunderer, conqueror, so on and so forth. But at least get the land right. They said he discovered America. I was like, no, the motherfucker set foot on the Bahamas, went back to uh, uh, Europe, then came back and hit Hispaniola, which is now Haiti, Dominican Republic. The guy never even came to the main, to, to what would be called America someday. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. You know? And, and so and, they, they eventually changed, they changed the name from Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day so they can acknowledge, okay, wait a minute, Columbus was a bad, Columbus was a bad person and he slaughtered people, so maybe we should change the name and da-da-da-da. Okay, cool. But um, you can't figure that out about Netanyahu? You can't figure that out about the state of Israel? They can figure it out. They're all paid. By the way, Jamal Bowman also takes money from JPAC. J Street, excuse me, also takes money from J Street. Him, Richie Torres, I'm gonna pull all this shit up one day. We're gonna go over this again. They all take it. This is what I'm saying. Like, why don't y'all think it's strange that only Rashida Tlaib, of course, because she's Palestinian, but Rashida Tlaib and Cori Bush are the only ones who came out and spoke in, in, in favor of the Palestinian people? Yeah, that's crazy. When you get a chance, I got some good news and not so good news when you get a chance. But isn't it interesting that you can look all throughout American history and see the lies that have been deliberately spun to propagandize and make people feel certain ways about the birth of this nation. But now that we get to this juncture, 
there is obeying the books and this and that, anything that's, you know, contradictory to the narrative that they want to spin. And it it is really all about controlling, especially the minds of white youth, because they want them still in the pocket to continue this empire and the dynastic ways of this empire. But, you know, they see that the next generations are on something altogether different. And, you know, sometimes the best way to get people to learn a thing is to, you know, shroud it in mystery and try to hide it. They're going to read those books, now they're going north. Mm-hmm. I do. Like, it's just... I just... I hope I don't see it in my lifetime because the government is trash. Like, I'm going to go back to the Russian gate situation. Like, I never heard nothing about overthrowing governments until the Hillary Clinton thing. And then as like you keep if you start paying attention to it, you can see what the United States has been going been doing for decades and decades. And it's just I just feel like it's gonna be our time one day. And then it's this thing that I saw on you you talked about it too. I can't remember it right now, but it's like I'm not going to, that way they, it's kind of to me, it's a new world order and America is not part of it. It's like this new money, the new money, they changing to become, I forgot what you call it. You talked about it. And I saw it the day that they made like a deal. I forgot the two countries, they made a deal and they like getting rid of um the U.S. money and making their own. The one. I think it is. It's another country too. They making their own money, and it's. I know it's other people too. And I, like I said, I do feel like um, the the government knows something we don't know, and I feel like they doing everything they can to try to keep power. Or if they can't have it, they're gonna blow it. They don't care about war. They're gonna blow everything up. And we need to figure out what the hell's been really going on in Area Fifty Four. You know, there. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that the government keeps secret. Fifty one, or fifty one. Sorry, I was thinking about Studio Fifty Four. Whoops. Um, what's happening to Area Fifty One? Because I really do think there's a lot of things that they keep from us. You know, and I think the American people have the right to know. Bell, you need to hide shit for. Go ahead, Roger. I'll let you go, and then I'll bring in uh, Daniel. All right. So, so check it out. Um. So. What, oh, hold on. You want the good news or you want the bad news first? Always end with the good news. Okay, so check this out. Here's the bad news. Top American colleges seek this from Politico. Top American colleges seek to quell anti-Israel sentiment in wake of Hamas attacks. Uh, New York. Colleges across the country on Tuesday were facing a bitter divide on campuses over Hamas attacks on Israel with administrators at odds with far left students group student groups that were pushing pro-Palestinian narratives. What started on campus email list and in student papers quickly spiraled into a battling battle involving members of Congress in both parties, the lightning rod conservative Senator Ted Cruz and Cornell West, the star pro- professor turned left wing presidential candidate. Comments from college presidents calling for calm and compassion 
have been met with strong condemnation by student associations that took Israel to task over its control of the region and pro-Palestinian messaging from students has caused an uproar among political leaders on the left and the right. Harvard, Stanford, and Georgetown were among those caught in the maelstrom, which also spread to other top schools. At New York University School of Law, the president of the Student Bar Association drew swift rebuke Tuesday after writing in the association's newsletter to not condemn Palestinian resistance. This week, I want to express first and foremost my unwavering absolute solidarity with Palestinians in their resistance against oppressor, oppression toward liberation and self-determination. Who is, who is that? I'm sorry. Rina, Who's saying that, Roger? A person's name, Rena Workman, wrote in a newsletter message. Okay. Uh, Israel bears full responsibility for this tremendous loss of life. The missive, the, okay, I never heard of that word. The missive, which has, which was shared widely across Twitter X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, was met with scores of outrage, comments from leaders and advocates, and lawmakers. If you are speaking to an Israeli mother whose child has been beheaded, I cannot think of anything more callous and cruel than telling a grieving mother you had it coming. You had it coming. Can I just uh, interrupt for just a second? Um, yeah. I do want to let everybody know that was already debunked, by the way. The whole like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay. So, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, here's a quote. If you are speaking to an Israeli mother whose child has been beheaded, I cannot think of anything more callous and cruel than telling a grieving mother you had it coming said uh, Representative Richie Torres, a Democrat of New York. Um, the school's Jewish students and alumni also pledged to take action and university officials sought to distance themselves from the communique. The, stu the statement, the statement, oh, I'm not reading all that. All right, so that's one, I'm gonna put that in the, in the thing. Now, um, let me give you some, a little bit of good news because that was a bit of a long, this is a shorter article. Um, so we got some Californians here in the house, right? Um, so this I seen a couple days ago. Uh, Newsom signs bill advancing universal health care, but he vetoes insulin price cap. Uh, Sacramento. Yeah, I'm gonna Saturday, cover. Governor I was gonna say I'm gonna cover. Oh. I was gonna cover that Thursday. <laughs> oh, all right. So I'm not. All right. So I won't say nothing. Man. I was gonna cover that Thursday. Okay. All right. I ain't gonna say nothing. So. That's it. <laughs> okay. I'll let you cover it Thursday. All right. Let me bring in um, Daniel. Daniel, what's up? You're on the mic. Can you hear me? I can hear you just great. Oh, awesome. Um, so I know there's like a conspiracy with this about the intelligence failure, but hear me out. I get this from two people, Jeffrey Zachs and Mark Soboda. And according to these experts, um, I heard Jeffrey Zachs being interviewed by Judge, Natan, uh, Judge Napolitano on Judging Freedom. Judge Napolitano used to be a Fox News contributor and was let go by the network because he kept on fighting for the people in Gitmo. 
and Fox News wouldn't have it. And according to him, uh, Jeffrey Zachs, during this interview, he points out how chaotic the government of Netanyahu really is, how it's fractured, it's full of these right-wing nutjobs, and it's literally – and he points out that this is literally an act of incompetence. And I, I'm, you have to watch the interview. He goes into much more detail. But I also want to get on to Mark Sabota. Mark Sabota is a um, is a military analyst. I forgot that, but I heard him today on Sputnik Radio on the Final Countdown. And during his interview, he explained the uh, Hamas the Hamas military maneuver, how organized it was. How, how they were actually doing this smartly, that if you were to say, hey, they got help from Iran, you're basically holding up to the narrative, the Israeli narrative, that these are a bunch of know-nothing animals. Insert racial slur, whatever. Anyway, Mark Sabota, during this interview, pointed out that there is some geo- strategic significance with this raid because at the end of the day when you think about it this wasn't a um they didn't grab territory they didn't hold on to territory it was more of a raid they go in they uh kill a lot of um israeli police of israeli military they grabbed everything that they could carry ammunition um military tech back into Gaza, and they also captured those hostages, and they brought them with them too. But the point is, I believe you've been hearing in the news lately that Israel and Saudi Arabia are working towards an agreement, a security agreement, to where Saudi Arabia recognizes Israel. Yep, yep. Well, guess what? This invasion, well, this Hamas um, raid, because that's what it basically is, um puts an, uh, not really a nail in that, but makes it uneasy that this might actually go through. This agreement goes through, and I think that what they, that Hamas was counting on, that this agreement wouldn't go through and that they could use the leverage of Saudi Arabia to finally get some type of um, peace agreement or freedom. And when I heard this, I started thinking that um, from my understanding, MBS doesn't give a rat's ass about um, the Palestinians, nor do any of the other countries because they got their own problems. They live in a desert. And so they're basically resource lacking. And so um, they don't like they want the Palestinian situation to go away. And this agreement would have solidified that um, – would, would have opened the door for Israel to do their genocide a lot more freely. So unfortunately, you're not going to make peace with Israel. 
Israel's the bad people. And I get this from two different sources. The first source is a documentary, I believe it came out in 2011, called Five Broken Cameras. Um, this just told me who the bad guys were. This is like when I'm like, Israel ain't, Israel's the bad guy here. What solidified that was Abby Martin's uh, Empire Fire File series on Israel and how she went around in the streets. I forgot this town, but she just asked the average Joe Blow Israeli, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Exposed their racism against black Jews who tried to flee to their country looking for safety. Um show how racist these people are and how genocidal maniacs these people are. And because they're so genocidal maniacs, literally, and the people in charge of the Israeli government, how they cobbled it together, because Netanyahu is still facing corruption charges. Um, trying to, must be trying to thought. But the third thing was this rally, this two protest rally, one against the Israelis or the pro-Jews. And I got this from the gray zone and the gray zone guy goes up to the Jews and he asks them about how do you feel? And they're supporting genocide. It's literally like the same craze I experienced and saw right after 9-11 because I didn't know what a meme was back then. But I remember seeing this meme weather report Showing uh, uh, basically uh, tomorrow's weather in Kabul is going to be 20,000 degrees Celsius, a.k.a. nuclear bomb. And they were showing these things. They were showing like, hey, this is what we're going to do to Gaza. We're going to turn into a road. See, problem solved. And what I found interesting and symbolic is that this was done in front of the Pfizer building. And I'm like, dude, what a cancer. <laughs> but one thing I want to say, according I I saw that, the Pfizer thing. I saw that um I think he, he sent that to me via DM, and that was after I started the stream. I'll have to invite him on as well. But um I, I did see that. Uh I just I'm just gonna go ahead and keep it real. Guys, this is not about religion. And I'm going to prove it to you that it's not about religion. The Ethiopian Jews, they are Jewish. They have been complaining about their the way that they have been treated by the state of Israel for years. There's several videos on YouTube about this. I've talked about it before on my channel and on RBN. And I'm just here to tell you, this is not about religion. If it was about religion, they'd be fine with the Ethiopian Jews. They sterilize Ethiopian women against their will and those women did not know that they were they were sterilizing them they were giving them shot shots which they thought was like vaccination they were giving them shots that was sterilizing those fucking women so that they would not be able to reproduce this is a hundred percent racial and the videos that I saw on Twitter where people were interviewing some of them and they said they want them gone they want them dead this shit is not, and you know, it's really sad because a lot of Jewish people that I've spoken to in the U.S. do not feel this way. They don't support this. Most Jewish people that I've spoken to are not Zionists. 
There are Jews living in Israel that don't agree with this. That's the thing. But what we have to understand is Netanyahu, this is a far right administration and the U.S. government. So let me be clear. When Joe Biden, when the Democrats complain about the far right presence in the U.S. and we have to protect our democracy, that defense by them means shit because they openly support and fund the far right presence in Israel. Netanyahu is no different than Donald Trump. Actually, no, I take that back. Netanyahu is further to the right than Donald Trump is. And they openly support and fund Netanyahu. So this is all bullshit. And more people, and if I was, if for example, if I was Cornell West and I was running for president, Cornell West need to call that shit out. RFK Jr. should be calling that shit out. You calling out both parties and corruption and corporate money? Notice RFK Jr. won't call out the fact that the Democratic Party is sitting up there willing to fund a far-right presence abroad, but they want to complain about far-right in the U.S. No far-right presence that we have in the U.S. is as far-right as the presence that is in Israel. They are ethnically cleansing people in that country. And if I was Dr. West... Because I saw he wrote an article, too, and people give him shit about the article that he just wrote. I have to read it. If I was Dr. West, you got to call that shit out. Claudia de la Cruz is calling it out. Uh, um, I, I hope that you can find uh, Mark Sabota and have him on your show because he is a regular on Fault Lines Radio. This is Sputnik Radio, by the way we have left of um, Russian media here in the United States. And these people will explain to you what's going on. I usually hear them about once or twice a week explaining the situation in Ukraine to the fullest. Um, but I think we should be afraid of this, not because of nuclear weapons, although that's a possibility, is that I'm afraid that this is going to take off the Saudis and the Saudis is just itching to do some um, power push. I'm afraid they're going to turn off the spigot of oil to the uh, West to prove their uh, displeasure. Which is, because- why we, which is why we should have never gotten to the point where we were still depending on another country for oil. We well, should be depending on oil, period. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But um, we don't produce enough oil here in the United States or here within our hemisphere to be independent. This myth that we're uh, independent, that myth is basically perpetuated by the oil corporations. And we are exporting oil. We're exporting the refined products. So we're shipping it in from other countries like we used to Venezuela. I think we're starting to do that again. We're creating diesel, kerosene, and guess what? Oh, look, we're, we're shipping out more oil than we're consuming. We're energy independent. That's where that number comes from. We shouldn't have. We shouldn't still be depending on oil. Period. Though that that's my point. Yeah, I, I know that. I know that's your point. I'm sorry, um, but um, that's my fear. That's my fear is that the Saudis grow a backbone. 
And I'm a truck driver, so guess what? My job is dependent on literally the price of diesel. And although I'm not an owner-operator, I'm a company driver. Um, when the fuel prices hit all-time highs, that's when the freight drops. And that's when I make less money. And that's when I'm stuck in a place for a day or two, if I'm lucky. But but also when the fuel goes up, that's when the inflation in every other product goes up because most yeah. things have some transport fee. But everything has transport fee. But if I'm you sorry for interrupting. can look at it, you see where the whole American foreign policy, including the militarism that backs it up, is based and rooted in this capitalist ideology that sees the rest of the natural world as a source of inventory for to support the American way of life. And when you see it from that perspective, you see where the whole thing is a fool's errand. No, the world is not going to sit around and be exploited and prodded into war so that you know, American, the American way of life can be sustained. That's just unrealistic. But when you look at it, that is exactly the way American foreign policy works. You know, we keep pushing war. We keep pushing militarism. And, you know, Dr. King warned us of these things before he passed. You know, this militarism and this and that to exploit other people's resources has just got to come to an end. And, you know, we know that the whole rapport with the Middle East, with Iraq, Iran, you know, Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, in South America, this is all about oil. And we should have been listening to the scientists and trying to move away from this decades ago. But we're going to be in a witch's brew because there's going to be no easy way out. And I just don't know where the desperation will lead us in terms of the geopolitical thing. I don't know if a World War III or something very close to it can really be avoided. We just really have to find another way of existing in the world. I think that's what they counted on, um, Noel, is is World War III. But I, but I don't think anybody survives a World War III. They may be thinking they're going to go, you know, to some place out of space and wait till it all blows over or dig a hole and be in a bunker. But this thing, if they, if this time bomb ticks off, I don't think there's going to be any, I don't think anyone can imagine what it may look like in the end. I don't think we can really predict where the, who will survive and what the world will be. And, you know, you put all that stuff in the atmosphere, it's swirling around. You know, we have the global um, warming thing going on. I just don't think, I think this is really an existential threat for the species. We're going to master our own destruction and not see it as close as it is. We're not going to be able to detect it. Mm. Go ahead, Daniel, and then I, I want to pivot back to Notori as well because I got a question I, for Notori. I think that's it right there. Um, 
I just wanted to give some more to like, I know there's like a conspiracy when I first heard about this attack. Oh, Mossad must have let this happen. But when I heard these uh, two gentlemen, these two gentlemen I respect and for their knowledge and their, how they're not toting the empire's tone, they're, they're speaking facts. I'm like, yeah, it's sounding more and more like um, this is incompetence. Um, to say that Hamas couldn't plan them this, this themselves and had to rely on an outside fire, that's possible. Iran has a reason to support Hamas for this, considering that Israeli uh, Mossad killed their nuclear scientists, considering that it was Netanyahu that encouraged Donald Trump to kill a war hero who helped defeat ISIS in the Middle East. I, I can't think of Suleimani, his name. <clears throat> and so... They have a reason to support these people, but as I listened to Mark Sabota, Mark Sabota pointed out they actually support Hezbollah. They do not support Hamas. So they have more ties with Hezbollah. And Hezbollah isn't just in the West Bank. Hezbollah is in Lebanon, and I believe Hezbollah is also in Syria. So... Yeah, um, what I'm afraid of is that the Saudis do nothing. If the Saudis do nothing, the Isra- and I hate to say this, I hate to sound like this, but I'm going to sound like this, so please forgive me. The Israelis are going to learn how hard it is to do a genocide, okay? They're going to learn, oh, you don't have enough bullets for it. You don't have enough ammo for it. And that's where the ideals of using chemicals, um Accessiation. But they've already started using chemicals. They used white phosphorus on Palestinians the other day. Yeah. Yeah, but. Mm, ah. But does everybody notice that, like, if if it concerns like Russia and Ukraine, if Russia were to do this to Ukraine, this would be, would be called out as a war crime. But when Israel does it to Palestine, it's not a war crime. Does everybody notice this? Yeah. I, I I remember the the father's kid getting burned with some type of chemical in that documentary and I'm like I was told that Palestinians do this to the Jews and Palestinians do this to themselves and here I'm seeing actual evidence before the internet actually exploded with this evidence. And I'm like, yeah, uh, that's when I started questioning it. That's why, that's why when I tell my friends and I had an argument with a Democrat friend of mine, who's totally Hillary Clinton and there she is supporting, well, Israel did some good things for the middle East. Like what, what did they do? They, they, they bombed Syria and they bombed the Syrians who were fighting ISIS. You know, I, I remember my sister's a Jew and my father's a Jew. They, I, I think my sister banned me from sharing a pointing out that the Israeli Air Force is basically the Air Force of ISIS because they go after <clears throat> um, 
they go after the Syrian army who are f- defeating ISIS. I- I'm like, I got banned. For, I got put on Facebook um, uh, jail for a week, and I just, I had to block my sister. I'm like, because uh, I think she got really enraged for it, and my father, I just told him, like. This is why you can't trust the Israelis. The Israelis are, he wouldn't believe me. It, that, that, that propaganda is so propagandized into our, into our system here. I, it, what, what pisses me off is that I had to see my fellow Americans cheer for a genocide. And like, wow, like, if only you knew. And yet we have this thing called the internet. We have, the library of the world at your fingertips, folks. Learn to use it. And they can't stop all the knowledge. Okay? You will find information if you look hard enough how to make an engine run on water. And it's not running on water. It's running on the hydrogen molecules. And you separate the hydrogen molecules. And in the combustion chamber, you put those molecules back together, creating exhaust as water. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said there, um, Daniel. Let me bring in. Um, let me well, go you to have Tori a good night. Thank you. Natori, quick question for you. What did you think of Davi? What did you think? Of, <laughs> what did you think of uh, Davi's uh, responses there, Natori? You just got to unmute. Nope. I don't know. We might have to come back to Natori. Okay, let's bring in um, Edu. Edu, you're the next caller. What's up? Good night, everyone. Um, great show tonight, Sabi. I think uh, the WS interview was a little bit of a break that we all needed from like this, like uh, you know, um, terrible weekend. You know about what's happening in in in, in that part of the world. Um, we needed some refreshing interview that you know, it just sort of bring the comical size a little bit to politics how politics is works in the u.s i mean not to not to make too much fun of dobby but like i really thought that that you'd really help him um you know to the ground with your questions i think like if he he didn't know the basics he was just sort of like improvising you know you didn't even get to ask him about like minimum wage you know the minimum wage salary or like you know, about foreign policy, about Ukraine, about Palestine, um, that sort of thing. Like, you sort of asking him about the foreign policy, and then he sort of, like, um, tried to deflect the question by just sort of saying, oh, I want to talk about internal policy before external policy. Um, the one part, to give him a little bit of a credit, the one part I sort of, sort of, but, like, then... You know, he derailed it again. Was when he uh, sort of framed the immigration part, sort of saying that it's not an issue. It's more about like um, a flow or a process. You know, sort of like making it seem like it's part of like our our, our human being uh, nature. You know, as a as a race that we are just migrating everywhere. You know, like you know, with migrants like. Um, you know, those those who have experienced moving from one place to another, 
we 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 carry the label of migrant for the rest of our of our lives. It's not that uh, you know we move to another place and then we forget about where we come from or or you know or that kind of experience that uh, we share with other people who are migrants. So that's sort of part I I really liked how he framed it at first, but then he's sort of like lost me when he talked about sending the army to the border, and, <laughs> then, and then sort of like not kind of like acknowledging that he sort of was sort of promoting the 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 building of the wall and then the sort of part of like of the healthcare part i think like the way he sort of he sort of had like a reality check kind of thing that like there could be a system or a or a reality in which there is not private healthcare you know, he sort of like, he didn't like really connect those two dots when you sort of said like, well, you know, like for Medicare for all, like blah, blah, blah. And he sort of like was sort of saying, no, no, but like, yeah, people can opt in if they want to, but if they also can keep that private healthcare, it's, it was sort of like, he did not really imagine that there could be a scenario in which there is not private healthcare, you know, in which like the state is the one that provides healthcare for everybody. So that, that that's that part was kind of amusing um, to see that he just like sort of had like I don't know like uh, his 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 cables didn't really connect there um, and then there was this other part on the Second Amendment too like he was just sort of like all over the place there I I did not get whether he was against or for the Second Amendment in the end I th I think he was for the Second Amendment. You know, because he sort of was like, yeah, people have the right to bear arms to hunt if they want to. Um, so, <laughs> so, so that was the other part that was kind of funny. Um, so going back to the, um, to the, you know, the, 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 you know, the sort of ongoing war in the Middle East, uh, you know, in Gaza and in Israel. Um, I just, I thought that after this weekend with my friend, we call it like sheroes, you know, like you talk about heroes, we call them sheroes just sort of to make fun of liberals. I don't think there was any sheroes standing after this weekend because I think like everybody was punching everywhere and everybody want, was trying to hold their kind of person that of interest that they sort of like were are critical, most critical of to the fire, you know what I mean? Like, like I don't want to give names because I don't want to personalize this, but like those who are against uh, Colonel West or are not sympathetic to him were like, you know, sort of nitpicking any, any, any tweet that like Peter Dow or Colonel West were putting out there. All those who are against RF, I mean, some of them rightly some, some of them, I don't know. But like, you know, if RFK was putting something, then like those who are, you know, not so sympathetic to him were all going after him. So I just thought of thought and uh, thought that that was kind of like the, the, the exercise that everyone was like practicing this weekend. Not that, not that anybody, like, you know, some people don't care about the issue. Obviously, like people do care about the issue and people want genuine, um, responses or like bold uh statements or actions but i think like as you said like um if people are hoping that there are sheroes out there to come out and save the date then these people will be disappointed it's not about sheroes here it's about movements 
as, as, as we have talked about like all along, you know, like people need to realize that it's about the organization and it's about like the movements that people can put together and not about like the heroes or sheroes that can rise uh, to the to the occasion because these people will just cause disappointment time and time again. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know what you think about it. And I think like the squad, sorry, just last one thing. I think the squad is really funny because after realizing that there won't be any statement that they could make that is possibly uh, able to please both sides of this, of this issue. Now that it's, they're practicing the exercise of denouncing the anti, 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 you know, sides of things, you know, so like, you know, you, you, I saw you, uh, um, you commented on Jamal uh, on Bowman's uh, tweet about he denouncing the anti, anti Israelis, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, rallies. And then now he, uh, 30 minutes later, he uh, posted another tweet denouncing the anti Israelis um, rallies. So there, <laughs> So now it's it now. Wait, so, you did? Yeah. So that's that's the exercise now of like okay, like there won't be any statement that like you know will satisfy both sides. So let me just criticize both sides. Oh snap! So, so, so what what just happened now? What did Jamal Bowman? So I, oh, let me read you guys. Okay, so Jamal Bowman sent a tweet, and I I commented like right after I got out the stream. He said, disgusting, this promotes an act in which innocent civilians were killed babies. We need to stand for human life and collective humanity. This does the Uh, Sabrina, I think you're on mute. I thought it was just me, but I'm looking at the chat. Yeah, I don't think she's on mute. Yeah, no, the, I think we all lost so. audio. I think we all lost audio. Sabi, are you there? Or we lost Sabi's audio. <laughs> they got her. <laughs> she was just getting to something good. Oh, I know what I can talk about. There's a political article that uh that just came out in, with an interview with uh with with uh cornell west and uh and they were talking about like i guess everything's kind of all stirred up about did these, i get cut um, off they, they were, oh now you're yes, back you did. oh sorry you was just coming to you was just coming to the climax and all of a i was sudden, filling boom. in <laughs> yeah. okay right. i'm sorry um so basically um did you guys hear what i my response was no, no. All, all we heard was uh, and Jamal Bowman. Uh, Jamal and then tweet, yeah. So Jamal Bowman tweeted that it's disgusting, and he said that um this is basically advocating for the killing of civilians and babies, and he was retweeting a tweet from Chicago Black Lives Matter where they said this is all, and they shared a a, a picture that said I stand with Palestine. 
So I responded to that and I said, what's disgusting is you ignoring the brutality against the Palestinian people and pretend, basically pretending like this isn't happening. I said, that's what's disgusting. And then apparently according to Edu, I went back and checked. So he issued another tweet. Now he's calling out the racist genocidal remarks from uh, Jewish people that were interviewed by Jeremy Lafredo. That video that's on Twitter. Mm -hmm. mm. This this is a. Uh, oh, but he said he is... said my friend sent me this video about genocidal remarks. My Jewish friend sent me this video about genocidal remarks, and wanted to make me aware of this. And my thing is is like, why does someone have to send you that video? For you to understand that what you said in the previous statement was a fucking problem. That you were only willing to acknowledge that life is precious in reference to the Israeli babies and kids, but not in reference to the Palestinian babies and kids. Why did you need to see that video for you to wake the fuck up? This is what happens when you're no longer anchored to the... Uh, not just your constituents, you know, that actually put you in office, but also your on the ground support group, which was us, um, to keep that stream of to keep that stream of information going. You know what I mean? To to put you up on game and let you know, like, nah, nah, you know, whatever, whatever, you know. Like, I always pictured the. It, the way things were supposed to happen was the Republicans, they go on Fox, the Democrats go on MSNBC, and the squad's supposed to come on independent media. If that, if and, and the Democrats, Pelosi and them, made them break that bond with us. You know what I'm saying? If that flow of information, flow of information when, and, and, they, and, kept and they kept going on their shows, on your show, on their shows, on all you guys' shows, then it would have been none of this, you know what I mean? Like all of this wouldn't have been a thing. They would have already been there. They would have already been ahead of all of this. I'm wondering right now, sorry, I just, um, I think I would have had more respect towards the squad and some of the progressive, like people in the, in the progressive caucus, um, if they just stay quiet, honestly, because the, the minute they open their mouth, like it's it's it, you know it's chances are that they're gonna screw it up i think like you know at this point the, with this situation um you know with the um, this has caused a lot of like uh, a moment to come out with a lot of grievances you know again like i'm not I'm measuring them that some of them are rightly so and some of them are unjustified i'm just you know, stating that people are bringing out all of the grievances against the other side. And, you know, no one is, is, everyone is talking, but no one is listening. And I think like it would have been more impactful or me more meaningful if the squad or anybody, you know, would just sit down and listen to people, you know, invite people to the office and, and come and listen to them instead of just coming out with these bullshit statements that don't mean anything and that they're trying to please everybody, you know? Um, so that's, that's the sort of part I see that as a society we're failing at, that we're, we're about like, you know, talking and yelling and screaming instead of like listening um, to the, what 
you know, again, like I, I am not going to, um, you know, um, trying to uh, assess any site uh, here. I'm not, and not that I'm trying to, you know, obviously I'm, I am 100% sympathetic to the Palestinian cause. Um, but I think that's, that's, that's uh, the, the problem that we have right now. Um, and I think I'm wondering with Rashid, Rashid Talib, whether the sort of like Milto's uh, sort of positioning of, of her like uh, squad members will break the, will be the hate that breaks the camel's back. What I thought that Corey Bush's response was better or was stronger than Rashida Tlaib's response, to be honest with you. Um, but I think, you know, Rashida Tlaib, like, Rashida Tlaib is Palestinian. You know? So, to me, it's just like, what is she supposed to do? I mean, what what is she, what is she supposed to do? Is she supposed to not speak up for her people? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just let me be very clear too. This is something that you know, Afini and I talked about, which was that um, the people who were coming after people like me and Afini on Twitter saying, "Don't talk about this." Black people have nothing to do with this. So this was coming from a lot of the ADOS people, right? So they came in and was like, this is not our problem, not our concern. And, you know, we effectively had to push back on that shit because the thing is, no, it is our concern. Don't be so, you know, consumed with your hatred for immigrant people that you don't see what's actually fucking happening here and how it affects black people in the United States. So we had to call that out. That's why I said Afini tonight, you come on, we gotta make this message very clear. When people say what's happening between Israel and Palestine has nothing to do with black people, that is a fucking lie. The moment, the number of times we protest against police brutality in this country, if you don't make the connection back to who was training the police, where does it come from? You're missing the whole plot, bud. The police in this country are trained by the IDF. The same forces that operate in Israel. Police from this country go to, have traveled to Israel, receive training there. So the same treatment to the Palestinians that's happening in Israel by the IDF is the same fucking treatment that happens to black people by the police in this fucking country. So you have to make the connection. The same people telling me that no, oppressed people should not be able to push back, should not be able to fight back, shouldn't be able to revolt. Some of these same people would have a problem with the Haitian slave rebellion. Let's remember, Haiti was the only country where the slaves actually rebelled and they took over and said no. We are not going to be slaves for you anymore. They would have had a problem with that. The same people out here on social media fucking quote MLK. Let me quote MLK tweets, believe the race part out. All these same people. You think MLK would stand here and fucking tell you that the Palestinian people 
should not resist occupation? No. Malcolm X wouldn't tell you that. Kwame Kwame Turi wouldn't tell you that. The Black Panthers would not fucking tell you that. They wouldn't tell you just to sit back and allow yourself to be occupied. How would you feel if someone came to your home and dragged you out your fucking house? Not because you didn't pay the fucking mortgage or the rent, but because they took over the neighborhood and said what you had that belonged to you now belongs to them. How would you feel if someone kicked you out your own fucking house just because of that? That's what happened to the Palestinian people. That's what fucking happened to them. I watched these people get dragged out their fucking homes on the news. And where was all the crying and stuff? And oh my God, the people. Where was all that from Jamal Bowman and AOC and all the other politicians when I was watching Palestinian people being beaten in the fucking street? When I watched the IDF stomp into fucking mosque and beat up the people in their place of worship and burn the shit. Where, where, where was that? Where was all that compassion when I watched them beat up Palestinian kids, when I saw Palestinian babies burned to fucking life on fucking video? Where was the compassion? There was none. They said none because they had already been spoken to. This is who your alliance is with. This is who you ally with. And that's it. And don't you dare come out in support of the Palestinian people. And their plight. Let me be very clear. What is happening to the Palestinian people is no different than what happened to black people in this fucking country. That's Jim Crow again. You tell black people that they cannot move from certain spaces. They can only stay in certain neighborhoods. That's redlining. Then you tell black people that you can only sit in a certain spot on the bus. You can go to school, but you got to walk. We're not giving you buses. You got to walk four miles to get to school if you want a fucking education. And then when you get there, by the way, you're not going to have real textbooks. Your books are going to fall apart. We're going to give you the poorest ass education that you can get. And if we want to talk about what's happening today in this country, we talk about the black community. Let's be clear. I don't see any white communities getting their water poison, boo. Unless they're in Appalachia, unless they're in West Virginia, part of Appalachia. Other than that, that shit is predominantly happening in black communities. Jackson, Mississippi has poison water. Flint has poison water in other parts in this country. That's the same shit that they're doing to Palestinian people. You don't see them rushing to your defense. Did you see the U.S. government rush to give clean water to people in Jackson, Mississippi? No, because they don't care about your black ass. That's the point I want to get across to people. The same way they cannot give clean water to the Palestinian people. The same way the Israeli defense can get up there on national television. Israeli intelligence, excuse me, on national television and say, these people are animals. They said the same shit about black people. Everybody needs to wake the fuck up. Stop all this division of, no, this is not our fight. This isn't our argument. They're abroad, so that doesn't matter. It does fucking matter. And don't sit up here and think that that shit can't happen to us again. Also, the... um the thing with the uh, with, uh, forgot to mention with uh, what Noel was talking before about 
the banning of uh, the books so they won't have to see black history. When going back to what I was talking about, about everything is falling apart and they can't, everything's being democratized. Um, that banning books thing that they're mixing up CRT with black history. I don't think that's going to work either because, you know, you got this thing called the internet. <laughs> so the kids like to go on the internet. Okay. So it, it, it you know, like the, the gatekeepers are, are d- dissolving, you know what I mean? So I don't even think that's, that's going to work. Like, Oh, we're not going to allow CRT in, in schools and stuff. All right, well, fine. The kid will just go on the internet and find out. You know, right. Like, when they find a whitewash, uh, they call the Civil War the War of Northern Aggression. And, and you know, black people were, uh, oh, no, they was wandering around. And we gave them a place to eat. And we gave them a home. We took them in. <laughs> like, you know, that that's the narrative that they push. You know, but like I said, we have the internet. That's, that's, that's not really um, going to work. And uh, not to mention the fact, uh, trying to get the uh, Freedman community and understand about the whole thing with the the immigration thing, you have to care about our uh, foreign policy um, south of the border. You know, you have to ask yourself, they have to ask themselves why they come. I mean, I did ask a few. They didn't care. They were just, oh, just keep them out of the country. I said, yeah, but you got to pay if you don't want them here. You got to pay attention to why they're coming here. Just like when you get people saying, oh, all this crime. Okay, why is people committing crime? You know what I mean? Economic duress because you're under economic distress. So you have to take a look at, again, you know, what our, you know, the economic sanctions and the, the, uh, what do you call it? The other stuff, um, the wars, the coups. And all that this, stuff. This stuff is all connected, and and we got to be very clear. Like, we have to think about not only what happened to Black people and Indigenous people in this country, but what still happened to them now. When we talk about the pipelines, where are the pipelines being brought? Whose neighborhoods are they putting the pipelines through? The Indigenous people and the Black people. Those are the people they trying to poison, man. They trying to kill you. They don't want you to live a healthy, long life. They don't want you to reproduce. If they wanted you to reproduce, they wouldn't sit up here and ignore black women's pain when they're fucking pregnant. Okay. Let me, let me tell you something that Larry had said, um, what's going on here in New York. Okay. Cause he, he does like some type of business consultant on side. I forgot what it was. He said like he was working, he was helping some people, um, some defendants in, in the court system. I forgot what it was, but he said prosecutors have told him in the past where he'd be like, hey, why? Like, I don't understand why you're doing it th- this way, whatever. And I'm trying to get the quote right that he he quoted them of what the prosecutors said. They said, well, it's guilty until proven broke. I was like, that's what you do? It's like you 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 drive them broke, <laughs> so this way they can't defend themselves. It's like, well, it's, it's the way we do things. And then Alvin Bragg, um, you know, the guy that was prosecuting Trump or whatever, he was talking about, oh yeah, we have a uh, we have a prosecutor to judge pipeline. So he was saying that all we got is judges in New York or former prosecutors. 
So it's just like he was saying, it's, it's, it's one-sided here, whatever. So, you know, it just reminded me of that when you was talking. But we, and I think it's very critical, especially for oppressed people to not um, allow our grievances to cause us to lose touch with our humanity. Um, we can't be isolationist in a world where the nation we live in is the beast that's trampling about the planet. You know, so the peoples who are oppressed by American foreign policy in any part are relying on Americans of good nature and in touch with our principles to be at least at work on the inside of this beast, you know, since we exist in the belly of the beast, the rest of the world is relying on us to try and tame this thing to whatever extent we can, and we can't afford to lose touch with our humanity, especially, like I say, when we can directly trace American foreign policy to the places of unrest around the entire planet. There isn't a place on the planet where there is unrest, where there is not some connectivity to American foreign policy. So we have to, you know, be sensitive to that. And if you notice, you know, when Sabrina was saying, well, where's the concern and care for the Palestinians when we have witnessed, you know, the atrocities of the dimensions of the genocide that's been taking place for decades now. But I caution that the things that have been happening to Palestinians have been presented in modicums and pieces here and there. And you really have to seek it out to understand it in its most comprehensive sense. But since this situation where the Palestinians have fought back, you see it wall to wall coverage on mainstream TV. There's not a channel you can turn to where they are not giving the Israelis the Ukrainian treatment in terms of media coverage. Everywhere you look, they're talking about who's lost their children, oh, the Americans in Israel who've been affected, and they're getting to tell their stories in prime time on every channel because they're using that to build the sympathy for the Israelis. We never get that for the Palestinians. We never get wall-to-wall -wall coverage because if so, they could have dedicated a whole channel to it because it's been going on since, you know, since I've been alive. But you don't get that because they're not trying to build sympathy for the Palestinians. And it's just, you know, we really have to be so in tuned with what this nation's, you know, energy is. And like I say, it's a beast and it's stomping all across the planet looking to feed itself. And when it can't, it cannibalizes its own capitalism. You know, I can't stop talking about the evils that it bears, you know, but like I say, we don't want to lose our sensitivity, our humanity, and we definitely can't become isolationist because when this thing turns on us, we need foreign people 
willing to speak to it. That's right. Well said. All right, Adu, are you uh, finished? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm done. Thank you so much. And um, last thing, just a quick question. Do you think, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but like, what do you think is the impact of this, of this event on the 2024 election? I think it'll look bad for Biden because he's the president right now. He's the current president. And anyone running against him can use this against him. Like, look what happened under your presidency, that kind of thing. Like, now, don't get me wrong. They'll still be simping for the state of Israel. But that's another thing that they can use against them. The war in Ukraine and then this conflict with Israel and Palestine. Let's bring in uh, Brent. Brent, you are the next caller. What's up? Then I'll go to uh, Bindu. Hello? Can you hear me? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. So um, I just wanted this. I watched the your um, the vi- YouTube video earlier today, and um, I, everyone's pretty spot on. Um, I'm still disappointed in Jamie, though. Like he's a coward, and I, um, he should have been more aggressive with RFK. But you know, he he's basically was uh, playing access journalism, so that was disappointing. But I was shocked to hear you talk about Jackson Hinkle still because you mentioned him in a nut like months ago about him being uh, banned from YouTube and I feel like he I personally don't feel like he should be given any moral high ground when it comes to um, this media space because he said some really offensive things and he's not pro peace or whatever, he's for the Russian war and the fact that you continue to discuss him and like it seems like you're kind of sympathetic to him being banned, which I don't agree with either. He should be able to have freedom of speech. But at the same time he's 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 just a grifter looking to make money, which is his right, but at the same time, if you want to be anti establishment, anti corruption, I feel like there's a certain level of professionalism and standards that you should be held accountable to. Um, you can no longer take money from corporations and claim, I'm trying to make money to feed my family. That's that's no longer an excuse you could have because you should be held to, if you're anti-corruption, that you should be follow those principles in your everyday life, whether you go on YouTube or elsewhere. And... I feel like people defending Jackson saying that he's a hustler. Um, well, all the corrupt politicians, they're hustling for lobbyist support. Uh, wh- where's that same um, positive energy for, for them? You know, so I just wanted to comment on that well, and how. Well, first and foremost, yeah. I didn't say he was a hustler. No, so someone I else. I, I, no, 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 not you. But like, I, I, re- I like read the con- the chat, which is part of the conversation. I try to. I read the chat and I see like these comments like, oh, he's hustling. Uh, I don't agree with him, but he, he's trying to make that dollar. And it's kind of like that kind of, and with this channel is about anti-corruption. And it was just surprising for me to see that. And so, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, So a couple of things. Number one, I made it very clear I wasn't defending Jackson Hinkle. And it wasn't a couple of months ago I talked about him being banned, which I pulled up on YouTube. It said it was a year ago. That was a year ago when he was banned mm. on YouTube. 
So there's that. And then two, just because I don't agree with Jackson Hinkle and just because we're not cool like that anymore, what does that have to do with Yuki removing his camera? Nothing. Um, that's absolutely wrong. And um, I don't know. I apologize if I didn't. It's, it's absolutely wrong. But um, I just think that giving attention, he's looking for that attention. And I feel like it's your channel. I mean, I, I love your channel. and But I feel like discussing him is giving him the attention. Keep, it gives other YouTubers the, the impression that that type of attention gathers more views and more likes and um yeah to be very clear no he should not be what banned views? I, do, I do believe that you wait know a minute, wait a minute garners what views and likes how can he garner views and likes he has no channel it's gone oh well, not through youtube but through other other means other other uh social media and um it just i don't know then what does that matter if he's not being paid on those plat? Why does that matter? Getting likes on Twitter doesn't matter if you're not if you don't have a show like Tucker Carlson on X. Like that doesn't matter. I'm really I'm really confused. When I say I'm against censorship, I mean I'm against censorship. When I say I'm against YouTube deplatforming people i'm against youtube deplatforming people whether i agree with those people or not this is the same thing that came up during alex jones when people are like yeah alex jones need to be banned woohoo yeah i didn't fucking agree with alex jones on anything but i still don't agree that people should be deplatformed and i think that's the message that i was trying to get across so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's Jackson Hinkle, if it's Ben Shapiro, if it's Candace Owens. I don't like them motherfuckers. I don't like Candace Owens and, and Ben Shapiro. Do I think they should be removed from YouTube because they're saying things that is against the narrative? That is against the norm? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he should be banned. Uh... But okay, so that like... was the point. That was the point of the conversation. It seems like to me you're stuck on the fact that he says things that you disagree with, so he shouldn't be discussed at all. That's not the way I operate my show. There are several people that I disagree with. There are people I brought on, brought on the show that I disagree with. But does that mean the discussion should not happen? This is in an I echo chamber. Right, but you've already discussed, I mean, I, I I guess you're you are like maybe I do have, of course I I have a bias against them. Obviously, I mean I've made that very clear in the past. So maybe I let that affect how I view. It's just kind of like I was just kind of surprised because like, you you he was banned before. But it was maybe not a couple months, but maybe it was a year ago. He was banned. There is and... no there is no maybe. I pulled it up on the live stream tonight. It wasn't maybe it was a year ago. It said on YouTube that was one year ago. So it was one year ago. So what? So you don't like Jackson Hinkle? Fine. Does that mean that his channel should be removed? No. No. <laughs> no, it should not be removed. I, I, I can't I can't believe after it's this 
But he's a, he can't be the only one, though. Like, is, he's not the only one, is he? I mean... He's the only one that it happened to recently, Brent, which is why I discussed it. And he's not the only one that I've discussed when it happened to them. When it happened to Lee Camp, I talked about it happening to him. When it happened to Abby Martin, I talked about it happening to her. When it happened to Chris Hedges, all those people were moved. I covered all of those people. It seems like to me, you are fixating and focusing on one person because you don't like that person. So to you, it seems like I should only discuss the people that you actually like and the people that you don't like. When these things happen to them, it shouldn't be discussed at all. I don't operate that way. And I would have thought you've known that by now. Yeah, <laughs> I do a pul like, yeah, I did let my bias against him, because it was just kind of surprising to me. Because it was it was surprising to me that you're you're we're still discussing banning people from YouTube. I mean, and maybe my bias did affect how I approached this topic, but I do feel like the fact that it it continues to happen, whether it's Jack and Hekel. Or with any other people, I feel like, I, why is it still happening? Like, why do people get away? Why do why do why does YouTube get away with that? Whether it's Shaq and people, which I have a clear bias against, or with other people, why why do how, why is that still being allowed? And I think that's something we need to be talking about. It's still being allowed because YouTube is owned by Google, and you and Google is a part of the military industrial complex. People have to understand that. Our government, we go back to the Twitter files, our government is controlling these platforms. That's why it's still allowed to happen. Yes, Google is a private company, YouTube is a private company, but the government has basically sank their teeth into these private companies. This is what the Twitter files taught us. They sink their teeth into these private companies and are telling them what they can and cannot do. That is a big problem. So whether we like Jackson Hinkle or not, we have to continue to discuss the fact that our government is removing and deplatforming people. They're silencing voices, and that is a problem. Like Jackson Hinkle and I, we don't agree the way we used to agree anymore. He has changed his position on you. But one thing I will say, he was actually very good about his coverage in reference to Russia and Ukraine. He was actually really good about that. And he was showing things that mainstream media were not showing people. Do I think he was right 100% of the time? No, maybe not. But he showed people things that were important and needed to be seen. And I watched mainstream media get information and news wrong multiple times. And I don't see those people or those networks being the platform. And I still see CNN and Fox News and MSNBC still on YouTube. So these things need to be expressed. Right. People like CNN, for example, um, I remember they started talking about um, the, Iver, uh, the Joe Rogan ivermectin. And that was straight up propaganda. And yet they weren't, they weren't silenced. They continue to operate the same way. So I do feel like there's, even if I don't like Jackson Hinkle or Alex Jones or any of these YouTubers, they should have the right to speak their mind just like mainstream media does. And the fact that YouTube is still a private corporation, a private company, even though it operates in the spirit of freedom, I just, 
that's something I feel needs to be addressed. And maybe if more people would have spoken out back when Alex Jones was removed instead of cheering it on, and there were a lot of people in left independent media that were cheering that on, and then when it started to happen and left independent media was like, oh, no, this is happening to me, not to name no names, but Jordan Sheridan happened to Trump. Jordan Sheridan was like, yay. But then when it started to happen to him, then it was a problem. Maybe if more people in independent media would have spoken out against that shit when it did happen to Alex Jones, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation right now. Right. It's... Well, um, I guess that's it. Um... I'll up the next, but um, thanks for the call. Okay, and just to tell you guys, I just got a text message from JB who just told me that YouTube removed his live stream from earlier today. Now, I didn't get to see the wow. whole stream. Yeah, I didn't get to see the whole stream, but they said, hold on, let me tell you what they said. He said they said that he's glorifying a violent criminal organization. Now, I don't know all the clips that he showed, but I, I tried my best tonight not to show any of the violent clips. That's why I didn't show the clip of the Palestinian guy holding the dead baby. That's why I didn't show any of those clips. Um, but just FYI, this is what I'm trying to say. It can happen to any other. They do have a small and they're already coming after him. He said, he said that was going to happen. Like he said, he, he predicted that that was going to happen. Like he, he said, you know, during his live stream, they're going to, they're definitely going to, uh, I don't know what the, the fancy word was, monetize or copyright. I, I forgot what it was, but he did say they was going to do that. Did he, he show, did he show any of, cause I didn't get to see the whole thing. Do you know, Roger, if Brent, can you meet for a second? Roger, do you know if he showed any of the violent clip video clips? He showed a lot. Okay. Um, I, 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 you know what? I forgot. He 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 showed a lot of of stuff today or yesterday. Okay. No, I'm, not, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> Okay, yeah, because I, I purposely, like, there were a couple video clips with the Palestinian man, and there was the dead baby, and there there were a couple of them, and I I purposely, um, I purposely, like, requested, like, or not really requested, but I purposely decided not to show those, even though I thought they were important for people to see. But I had a feeling YouTube would, because YouTube has a policy against war. Like if you show certain war images, they will come after you. And they also will like come after just violence, right? At a certain level of, like if you show someone get like shooting someone else, they'll they'll take that down. Yes, like you can, you can't show that. Like I don't notice I don't show people bombing people. Like you can't. That is actually in their guidelines not to show those things. Hey, um, I see an email here from uh, from this evening from Rage Against the War Machine saying that that they're going to be sponsoring a presidential debate. Of course they're they saying, are. What I tell they're you, they're saying, 
they're saying announcing the 2024 free and equal presidential debate. And then it says uh, in on February 19th, and then it says Jimmy Dore and Christina, Christina Tobin will moderate the 2024 free and equal presidential debate to take place in Los Angeles with six candidates from various parties. They're going to, and they're saying your votes will determine who takes the stage. So they're doing some kind of voting to pick who goes. And I bet you RFK Jr. will probably be at that debate. But uh, <laughs> I think that's new news from uh, oh, from boy. tonight. Actually, he, um, Christine came on his show last week and was talking about it. And who is this person? I'll, Christina she, Tobin? Yeah, well... This is what I, this is what I seen, and yeah, she did say she liked RFK. But here's the thing that I liked: she was on I, Jimmy Dore's show. You mean? Correct. Last week. Okay. Okay. Um, here's the here, here's the thing that I saw from her that I did like is that she said that she was now you know like according to what she said she was successful at getting a lot of third party candidates on the ballot or something like that. Um, and she was naming them. Matter of fact, hold up, hold up. I bet you, and I know I did, Sabrina. Uh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. The mention up. is that the email, of course, ends with asking for money. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, I know I did. I know I did. I know I did. I know I did. Uh, it's $30,000 to reserve the van. Uh, I believe I sent that. I I screenshot that, and I believe I know I sent it to you. Um, I'm, via Twitter DM or correct, correct. Let me take okay. a look. Here. And then while Rogers um, working, I'll also notice. I'll also say I noticed that after uh, Jabal Jabal Bowman's tweet about not liking what um, the Jewish people were saying about about um genociding um then there was like a, a brianna joy gray tweet saying like giving him credit for doing both sides or whatever then then in my feed at least there was a tweet from the notori um uh calling uh jaboman a name i won't even say <laughs> notori what notori what did you say Notori, uh, you still look there? it up i i can't even say it but okay. then I think Notori Notori fell asleep, but then what really cracked me up is then a little further down, someone I don't know, they said, um, "Thanks Jamal for sounding the alarm," and then they show a picture screenshot of when he pulled that fire alarm. Damn, (laughs) that that, that was a pretty funny burn. Oh, did you see what Notori posted? No, I didn't, and I think Notori may have fallen asleep, so I don't know (laughs) what she said. Brent, were you were you finished? If so, I can move on to Jenny. Yeah, I mean, I guess we. I, I agree with pretty much what everyone said regarding like um, Israel Palestine. It's a very uh, complicated situation because um, both sides are not no, very. No, no. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt and say this here. This is very important. As the video clip that's circulating around on Twitter 
Michael Brooks reminded us years ago, it's not a complicated situation. There is one group that has all the power and there is one group that does not. And it, the state of Israel has the power and the Palestinian people do not. And Malcolm, Michael Brooks called this out. Michael Brooks is from Majority Report, for those who don't know. Back when Majority Report was actually legit and shit. Michael Brooks called that out. Michael Brooks is Jewish. And he said, it's not complicated. Stop saying that. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't, obviously, <laughs> I'm not as that. well informed. <laughs> I'm not as well because I'm talking about in terms of the vibe, but I'm not, I, I apologize, but I'm not as, I'm not well versed in that. And <laughs> but it's, it, it, that's good to know. I mean, my, um, that's good to know. So, um, I guess, I guess that's it besides that. Um, I guess that's it. All right. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right. All right, let's bring in um Jenny and then I'll go to Bendu. What's up, Jenny? Just gotta unmute. Hey, you said you were gonna bring in Bendu first, so I can wait if you wanna Okay, Bendu, what's up? Just gotta unmute Bendu. Bendu? Hey Sabby, how are you? Hey, how are you? Doing all right. Uh I just wanted to like real quick circle back to um what you were saying, like in terms of Afeni, like I've been noticing like a lot of like that ADOS, FBA, like Friedman group, like attacking her a lot. And it's like, it's crazy to see like the, they'll attack somebody like her who's always on the ground fighting for black men specifically, because that's kind of the attack they've been waging at her. It's like, oh, look, the black women always turning against the black men. But it's always, you know, women like her that's on the ground fighting for black men. Meanwhile, they'll turn around and support somebody like Tariq Nasheed, who just takes money from people and builds hookah lounges and calls them fucking museums or whatever. I just think that's crazy. It's, it's crazy to see. And then on top of that, like, just seeing, like, I don't, I don't know how as a person, as a human being, you can see the brutality that the um, Israelis are um, committing against the Palestinians and not say anything, especially when our leaders from the past, like spoke about these, uh, spoke about this specific issue all the time, you know, and to see the hear don't quote people like Malcolm X or Fred Hampton, like you'll hear people from that, from those groups uh, quote these people, but then like completely like miss all of the other things that they said is just, you know, it's, it's, insanity to me but it's not surprising because i've noticed that a lot of these people like if you look at their profiles they'll have like the the fucking american flag in their bio and things like that and i don't know if you've um seen this film um on netflix it's called they clone tyrone uh they yes. talked about yeah, they talked about assimilation over extermination, and I can't help but feel these people are choosing assimilation. Like, just me personally, I I could never fucking see myself waving an American flag, having that shit in my fucking bio. Like, that's like, if you talk to people around the fucking world where, like, the United States has been bombing the fuck out of their country, the American flag is akin to the fucking Nazi flag to those people. You go to Venezuela, you go to Syria, you go to any of these places where the United States has destroyed their country. 
these people see that flag as akin to the Nazi flag. So I don't get how as a black American, especially our history here in America, like you can proudly wave that flag. I just, I don't understand that shit. And that's, that's kind of been like my separation from them. And then like the, like their views on like, you know, the um, LGBTQ community and things like that. Like, it's like, why, why are you shitting on the same people that the people you don't fuck with are shitting on? It's like, you almost, like, you know, like I said, that they clone Tyrone aspect, like y'all want to assimilate into this culture ra rather than, you know, deconstruct this, this culture, this, you know, this system that has fucked us over along with these other groups now. And, um, uh, and just one more point, like I've, I've talked about on here a lot, like the, um, Dr. Claude Anderson book, uh, poweronomics. And I think that he brings up a lot of issues, you know, in that book in terms of how different minority groups, you know, interact with capitalism and a capitalist system. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of rhetoric he uses in that book or a lot of the tone he uses in it, but I think it's a advantageous tool to kind of, you know, get people in a room to speak to each other, you know, about our differences and how, you know, like how different groups view each other and how we need to not like not necessarily like in the terms of like unify, like how some people talk about it, but like really confront these issues that we have with not just the capitalist system, but kind of like the, the institutionalized nature that the capitalist system has created within all of us. Like, you know, like how you see like a lot of, you know, black Americans, you know, basically like turning into, you know, patriotic love in America. Like that's, that shit is crazy to me. So, uh, that was just like basically the point that I wanted to make and get your thoughts on that as well. Bindu, can I ask a question real quick? You said, hey. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't rock with the American flag like that. Like, I never did. I never did. And my, my parents were military. And even growing up, I just never did. You know, I just, I don't know. I remember when I was like growing up in school and like some of my classmates would like wear like the t-shirts with the American flag on it. By the way, this was like pretty big down South. And I remember just thinking to myself like, why would I buy a t-shirt with a flag on it? Like, I just, I, I just don't know. Like, and for me, it was just kind of like, they're like, it means I'm patriotic. You got to buy a t-shirt with the American flag on it to show and prove to people that you're patriotic. Like, why do you have to do that? Plus those t-shirts were ugly. I'm not going to fuck around. I'm just keeping it real. The t-shirts were fucking ugly. So for me, it was like, that was not really, especially like for, for black families, we really didn't rock with that shit. Look like, I, I'm sorry. That, man. Like, that's, that's crazy to me. Like, I, I don't so Bindu, go ahead. You see, I'm sorry. You, so you was talking about like some of the uh, like the Twitter spaces with um, that's talking about uh, reparations and freedmen and all that stuff. I mean, not even right. just online because I kind of like the past couple of weeks I haven't really been engaging on. I've been kind of like taking a break from everything, but like just in my real life as well. And then when I came back to Twitter, it was there too. But I have a lot of like black family that that basically sees a lot of this shit these people say online and regurgitate. Like I got into a whole debate with my own fucking father about this shit like a couple of days ago. Like, like a lot of like, because I think because of how the system is, I mean, to be completely honest, how we're seeing the system, like 
in a free fall collapse right in front of our faces, a lot of people are just looking for other people to blame. So like when black Americans see, oh, Biden's letting immigrants come here in these spaces, why couldn't we get that funding when they're not even stopping to think like, like my, my immediate question is like, yo, I'm seeing these people crossing like hell on earth basically to get here because we fucking decimated their country. Like why, like, why, like, why aren't we leaving these people to fuck alone? I think it was Nico House that said it. He was like, honestly, if the United States would just retreat from the world, most of the world's issues will fix its fucking self. And I wholeheartedly agree with that and believe that shit because, you know, I, I do believe most of the issues in the world are taking place because the United States and the West as a whole are stoking these conflicts because that's what they've always fucking done throughout history. Divide and conquer. When you look at what they did to Africa, divide and conquer, you know, um, every region has always been dividing the people and conquering them. And while I may have some small disagreements with like a lot of what BRICS is saying and things like that, like just very minor, honestly, I agree with most of what they're saying. Like they're a hundred percent correct on trying to unify, you know, around basically combating the West because that they've, they like, you, you have a lot of these leaders that are one very intelligent people and two are very well read in history. And they, they understand, you know, but they they run the same playbook every fucking time. It's not like new. It's the same thing every time. And that you know they do it to their own. You know to their own at home. They do it overseas. It's the same thing. Divide and conquer. So um, no, I just I just that was crazy because yeah. I never seen American flags in these people's bios. I mean I haven't oh, yeah. been yeah I haven't been in their yeah. Twitter space for a while. But I know that they would like they would uh, roast you for having an American flag one time. I had an American flag in my bio because I couldn't put abolish corporate America. So there was a limited space. So I put abolish corp and then the American flag. And someone was like, oh, this person got an American flag. I was like, you didn't even read the bio. Yeah, like I... <laughs> like, but, I know the people, because like, I've been, like I said, I've been following them a lot. Like, you know, the main one, like, Who's most like? I'm not saying he's like representative of everybody's thoughts, but like, for example, Tariq Nasheed, American flag in his bio. Um, he got know, his American serious? flag in his bio. No, yes, I swear, I'm I'm looking at it right now. Oh fuck <laughs> no! Yes, no. yes. That shit's not revolutionary. That shit is coon shit. Yes. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> well, he was never he he was never revolutionary. I mean, we oh, all I know that. I do that. I you know apologize. that, I, but I gotta apologize because there, I do have there. There are white listeners, and I'm sorry, guys. Oh, you gotta but, explain it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. See, I can't say that on YouTube, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But uh, uh, that's that's kind of equivalent to being an Uncle Tom, and you just don't. It's it's you, see, you don't do it. Always rem always remember that. Even the even the even um the devil can teach you something. Yeah. Um now, Sabrina, look at your DM at five oh four Saturday. I screenshot what he what Eric was talking about regarding uh uh Christine Tobin. Um I was just like, hmm, you got all these third party people on the ballot okay i think there might be something there not really as good not really as far as helping west is concerned because her bias is toward rfk 
but maybe some some of these people running independent is you know governor i i sent that i sent that screenshot to larry i mean if she's that good at getting people getting independent people on the ballot and all that stuff you know um yeah, my parents would laugh at me if I showed up at their house with a T-shirt with an American flag on it. Like, I really think I would get clowned. <laughs> your, your dad start doing the dozens on you. My dad would be like, "What's with the shirt?" Like, well, I know. <laughs> he's like, I know "Are in you my like- family?" I know in my family, uh, they never really talked about politics too much. Like, I was raised with my mother, my grandparents, and my aunt. So, like, my grandfather was, like, the man in my house. And the only time I remember him talking about politics was when he used to watch Walker, Texas Ranger all the fucking time. And when he found out when he found out Chuck Norris was a fucking Republican, he stopped watching that show. Like, <laughs> like, I, like, that was the only time I've ever heard him mention politics. But then um, he, pa- my, he passed away back in 2014. I found out he was in the military. He never talked about that at all but i remember being a kid him and my uncle got into a real bad argument because he was going into the military and like i just like distinctly remember like one of the things him saying like they don't he said they don't treat treat us right in there so like i don't know what his experience was but the fact that he never talked like I, i apparently he never even talked about it with my grandmother either so like just those types of experiences like you know I just could, I couldn't, I could never, I could never see myself like, you know, even on something as minor as Twitter, like having an American flag in my body. The only flag I've ever put in my bio was like the Palestinian flag, but that's, that's about it. But definitely not the American flag. Like that's, that's just crazy. That's crazy to me. And that's, that's honestly like part of why I think I never really connected with RFK Jr. Ivor, just to like uh, say this real quick, because he lives in this fantasy fucking world where like everything that, you know, the, the portrayal of his uncle and his father is sung as gospel and every negative, horrible fucking thing they actually did in real life. is just null and void. None of that matters. Just the rosy, you know, the rose tinted lenses that I see America through is what it is. Marion Williamson kind of has that to her as well, where it's like, yeah, we acknowledge, you know, bad things that happen. They almost sound like, you know, Democrats and conservative um, conservatives as well. When they talk about America, when like the real, like the real, the reality of the situation is a lot of Americans, like, you know, just don't see when, when they know history, they don't see, you know, America in that same lens. Like when he talks, like when he talks about the founding fathers and shit like that, like nigga, they was slave owners. Fuck them. I don't fuck with them. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. We don't look at them like that. The only time you hear me quote the founding fathers is to prove the point about political parties, which is where I tell people the founding fathers did not want political parties. And that's it. Other than that, I don't tell you to follow these motherfuckers. Like, why would I tell you they were slave owners? They didn't even consider people like me to be a full fucking person. That would be like our, that would be like him, like trying to tell, like trying, like just to prove, you know, say this, what you would never do trying to, you know, quote, something good you know a nazi said to a jewish person like you would never fucking do that so why do you feel the need to do that to black people why do you feel like and it's almost this air of like well that's my history so you guys got to get over da 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 and i'm like well you know my history in this country is different than yours and you claim to acknowledge that but and, and i think that's the big disconnect 
when it comes to like you know a lot of like the woke rhetoric and things like that like even norman finkelstein who I, you know i like a lot of his stances on like palestine obviously and things like that but like i remember i forgot whose show he was on i want to say it was due dissidence i think it was due dissidence where he was saying that like essentially he was saying the reason one of one of the big reasons if not the main reason if i'm not understanding the way he was saying it correctly that bernie lost was because like of the woke mindset within the bernie movement with some people where it's like no bernie lost because bernie was a bitch <laughs> like that and he didn't want to do the, the things that it took to win it was a, and a, a lot of other things on why bernie lost but this mindset of like you know as soon as these guys get confronted with like you know some type of you know pushback from you know minority groups and things like that they just lose their fucking minds and go full like oh the main the biggest issue in this country is you know cancel culture or wokeism or whatever they all go through the same fuck that shit is wild to me and that's because like i've said before whiteness is the default position when when you hear people in the mainstream talk about America and this and that and you know Camelot and the Kennedys and this and that, black people are not even factored in. When they talk about you know how the um, New Deal built out the middle class and this and that, nobody is even thinking about in those times black people were excluded. So, but that's the default narrative. So when you raise the issue and force the issue and say, but wait a minute, you know, during those times, black people weren't included in this and that, and black people were redlined and this, and that, then they treat that as a compartmentalization of American history, but they're rolling with the major narrative and never really process it from the perspective that the entirety of the American narrative, as they talk about it, has been built out of the slave's nightmare. And if you lose sight of them and just start talking about, oh, you know, how the West was won and this and that and this, and that, you lose sight of the fact that during the time of the Homestead Act, when they were giving land away to um, European immigrants, they still owe the debt of reparations and they weren't giving land, even though it was stolen land anyway, they weren't giving land to the people they owed it to. And it is that frame of mind that shapes the whole American narrative, which is why when you raise reparations or anything about that, there's this, you know, almost acrimony because it's like, oh, here y'all go again because they've never really factored us in as Americans and saw us as Americans and include us in that picture. Because if you did, it would shape the whole way they think of the American, you know, dream and the whole American um, narrative. So we've been, we've been cast out as if we're like just a side piece, just a memory of something and they ignore it. And when you reforce it in there, it becomes an issue. That's why, and that's why they love Candace Owens and people like her and Larry Elder and all these people because they, you know, reaffirm that, you know, that mindset. It's almost like they're a, a, a mouthpiece for white America almost, essentially, to, to blast that message out. There. And so, they normalize it and give white people a pass to say, oh, it's okay. I see it the same way you do. And that was you know, years ago. So we just have to, 
and that gives them freedom. You know, but my thing is, is Candace Owens and Larry Elders and all these people, you as individuals don't have the wherewithal to give anybody a pass on anything. And that's why those people have the platforms they do because the purpose they serve in quasi-legitimizing the ignoring of the Black perspective within the white default narrative. That's right. And I'm, I'm going to go to uh, Jenny but I just wanted to say this. I want to remind everyone that Candace Owens actually sued the Connecticut school board when she lived in Connecticut for racism. You can Google this. The information is still out there. And she with the NAACP. That's right. With the NAACP, not only did she sued them, but she won over $30,000 for racism. So when Candace Owens gets on her platform and she tells you racism in America doesn't exist, she's full of shit. She always has been. She's just trying to make money. And that's what Candace Owens is all about. She doesn't care. She sold out her whole fucking community just so she can make fucking money. So people got to understand that. Let's bring in um Jimmy. Jenny, go ahead. And you can also, you can add Tim Scott to that list too, because that motherfucker also Uncle Tom. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for letting me talk. Gosh, I almost don't feel like I can contribute. I'm a patriotic Christian who loves Candace Owens. Do you want, still want to hear from me? Um, All voices are welcome. You know that, Jenny. I know. And that's why I love you guys. I, I just called in to talk about Israel, and I think we're really looking at a humanitarian crisis happening in Gaza in hours if it's not already started with the power out. I'm on oxygen 24-7. If the power was out here, I'd probably be dead within two days if I didn't have my my oxygen. So I I think, you know, we should definitely be rattling the cages about getting the disabled, the elderly, the children out, out of that space and into a place where they can be fed. I did read an article just now that the crown prince in Saudi Arabia is working ardently behind the scenes, agitating for peace. So that was good to see. But I do disagree with you, Sabi, with the idea that the religion is, issue is not a big issue. I think it's a huge issue. And so, um, again, as a Christian, you know, I've studied so much of the Bible, prophecies about the Jews returning to their homeland are right there in Isaiah and all the, all the ancient prophets. Modern prophets have talked about the Jews coming back to Israel and having a homeland, a state. So for those people who say, you know, they stole the land from the Palestinians, they never should have done this. Well, it was prophesied. And so for those of us who are Christian, you know, we were happy. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. And it's been prophesied that when Jesus Christ comes again, it's going to come right after the Battle of Armageddon. So you've got all these Christians right now today wondering if this is that last great battle. And uh, the prophecies are very clear about how it will unfold and what will happen. The actual location on the map where the, the war is going to take place. And then Jesus Christ shows up. So you've got all these Christians all over the world going, could it be? Is he, is he right there? You know, I don't know. But I do think the religious component is important. And Hamas has said, that it is the Jews' intention to build a temple right on the Temple Mount, right? The most sacred space where Mohammed met with the angel Gabriel, was taken up to heaven. This is their sacred space, Temple Mount. And the Jews have been talking about building their temple, rebuilding Solomon's temple there for decades. And, and in Hamas's statement this past weekend, 
that is their line in the sand. You cannot build this temple and the Jews are planning to do that. So how do we have peace? How do we, how do we come to a reconciliation of these different faiths and live peaceably together? I believe we can do it. There, there are churches and synagogues and mosques all over the world that are within blocks of each other. And the people attend their various places in peace and harmony. And it's okay. And I think they can do it in Israel too. But there's this belief that it's, you know, kill or be killed. And so, I don't know. What do you think? So, a couple of things. Um, Number one, I think we need to think about, number one, how old is the Bible? How old is the Bible, Jenny? Uh, I believe the first five books in the Old Testament were, in fact, written by Moses. And they tell the story of Adam and Eve. So that, you know, 6,000 years, 4,000 years before Christ was born. And I believe that literally. Okay. So if the Bible is that old, why is it that after World War II, all of a sudden it was, let's go to, let's, let's go to this place. Let's go to Palestine. The Bible had been around for all those years. Why weren't they already there moving to Palestine to begin with. And this is no shade against people who are Jewish. I have friends that are Jewish, but this is the point I'm trying to make. The Bible was always around even before that, right? So there's that. Two, the other thing in reference to the religion aspect, maybe it's not, you know, maybe I should have said that it's not, I don't think it's solely based on religion. And I say that because the racist epithets that come from that I've seen on the videos from people in Israel have nothing to do with religion. When they attack the Ethiopian Jews who are Jewish, who do practice the Jewish faith, they want them gone too. It's not just the Palestinians. They have argued to push them out. That then turns it to a racial aspect. So it's not just the religion. That's the point I'm trying to get across because if it was just about the religion, they would be fine with the Ethiopian Jews as well. By the way, those people didn't just get there yesterday. Those people have been there for years. There are people, there are Ethiopian Jews that were born in Israel who have complained about this. And they've talked about this for a long time. So oftentimes, a lot of times people bring up Palestine, but there's also Ethiopian Jews there as well who grew up there in Israel that were raised Jewish and they still want those people out. They sterilized Ethiopian Jews so that they could not reproduce. So if it was just about the religion, they would be totally fine with them reproducing because they're already Jewish and they're practicing the religion. Well, I, I don't think it's just a religious issue. I think it's multifaceted and, and it's really honestly warmongers agitating for world war three using this as the pretext that should be the number one thing we're all thinking about but the religion component there are bigots there are bigots in israel there are bigots in america who hate people because of their racial identity i don't think all jews hate the ethiopian jews and to say that it's all of them i i would really be suspicious about that well i never said it's all jewish people in fact all night i've said there are jewish people in israel who do not agree with this and don't approve of what's happening and i've also said 
that most Jewish people that I've spoken to in the U.S. do not approve of Zionism. They don't agree with this at all. I've never said that all night. Okay. okay. But Netanyahu, Netanyahu's government does agree with that. Netanyahu has been very vocal about this. He does not want Palestinians there. He doesn't want the Ethiopian Jews there. He wants it to only be people who are of Jewish descent, not Jewish faith. And there is a big difference between that. I I haven't heard him say that. So you're, you know, better than me. I know that there are some people who convert to Judaism, but I don't know about you know, what the percentages are of how many are, you know, natural born, how many are converts, you know, my faith. And I belong to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a Mormon. We believe that all, all these religions stem from father Abraham, that he was the great patriarch. And whether you're a Jew or a Muslim or Christian, we can be cousins, brothers and sisters in this big family of Abraham. And that those who are the peacemakers should be working as ardently as they can to to bring peace to the earth. But right now, man, it is just crazy time. And I think the warmongers know that the Ukraine war is a bust. And you can see them almost pivoting with their media and their coverage of this Israeli war of like, okay, I I think we can get away with this one and, and maybe one with Iran, too. And this is where I think activists and those who have a voice need to be speaking out and pointing the fingers of scorn at people like Lindsey Graham and the Biden administration, who are obviously agitating for something big, whether it's a nuclear war, World War Three. They want it. They want it to cover up so many of the crimes that have taken place around the Biden administration and the Ukraine war and covid. They want it all just kind of covered up and shoved away and Oh, we've got this war and it's this big, shiny thing that everybody's looking at. But as I said, at the end of the day, I do think the religious component of this Muslim Jewish thing is a big part of the story. So that that was the only thing I really wanted to say. I think the um, is the uh, I, I think the Ukraine war is over. They're just not letting us know that it is over. Because from what I understand, what Putin was trying to accomplish, he accomplished it. And they're just tell, they're just lying to us that, oh, yeah, we got to send uh, Zelensky more money so his wife can buy more jewels and, and Hatton or whatever the case is. But they're making us think that that war is still going. But I think that war is over. I think Putin was able to secure whatever it is that he was trying to secure. Ukraine has already lost this war. Yeah, I agree. There, there's just been too many scandals, especially around all the money. Just money laundering going on, and that's coming out in a very big way. So, um, Sabrina, so when you say they've already lost the war, do you mean that um, Putin secured what he needed to secure, or you're just saying, oh, man, it's, it's going to wrap for these guys. It's like they're going to lose... Oh, no, you know, like, like this this was reported in an article by Seymour Hirsch by ah. an official in Ukraine and they said they already lost. They can't win. Like it's it's already over. The US has just given the money like just because like, 
And I, I said this at the very beginning of this war. I said, there's no way Ukraine is going to be able to defeat Russia, even with the military aid, because look how small Ukraine is and look how big Russia is. And like I said, if it ever even got to that point where it would be close, Russia could just tap on China's door, which they have a great relationship with. They're both a part of BRICS and say, hey, come help us out. And that's it. What was it that Putin was trying to secure? Like um, that he secured? They were, they were fighting, part of it was over Crimea. But the thing is, is that this is a NATO war because what we have to remember is after the fall of the Berlin Wall, right. NATO was not supposed to expand. expand. And Russian they did. Borders. Now, why would NATO do that? Unless you want to provoke Russia. So Jill Stein has the best speech about this. Like, yes, Russia should have not invaded. Like, yes, you should not invade a sovereign country. I want to be very clear about that. You should not invade a sovereign country. At the same time, she said, but Russia was also provoked. So I think she has like a really good explanation about that. And I've also heard like from the day one when Aaron Monte uh, spoke about this war, Aaron Monte said that Russia should have not invaded. So he did admit to that. So just FYI. So, um, so the war is over. No, it's still continuing, just like the war in Afghanistan continued. They're just going to drag this out. Well, the other thing to remember is who's winning, right? They're the weapons manufacturers, you know, the MIC and that whole evil money system. They're winning hand over foot day after day, making bank. Yeah. And you... Yeah. So here's the, let me, let me play this. I'm going to come to you, Noel. Let me play this. I want people to hear what this guy was saying. I want you guys to hear what they said about, about the Palestinian people. Listen to this. Oh, hold on. My sound was turned off on the computer. Okay. Listen to what, what this guy says. Okay. Now this was shared by Jeremy Lafredo. Listen to this. Hey, Palestine. hear that i'm not stopping until all arabs are wiped out this is what i'm trying to tell you guys this is this is real shit now when i lived in new york i did live in a jewish neighborhood i lived in a hasidic jewish neighborhood and you know i mean like they were fine with me being there there weren't many black people that lived in that neighborhood i lived in um off of east 15th street and avenue j so a lot of people know about that place if, in reference to pizza, 
because that's where DeFaro's Pizza is right there. So that's a pretty famous spot in reference to Brooklyn Pizza. But I'm trying to tell you guys, they, they're not feeling that, like, to say these types of things, and I'm not done. Hold on, there's more. I think, I think now it's the time that we need to raise Gaza. There is people inside, our people inside, that kidnap, and now we need to kill all of them and free Israel. You hear that? We need to kill all of them and free Israel. This is what I'm trying to tell people. Like, and the guy that said we gave them a chance, you gave them a chance. You put these, you pulled these people out of their homes and you put them in fucking concentrate. It's not even open air prison anymore. It's a fucking concentration camp. That's what you put them into. So let me get this straight. Your people were in concentration camps and you then in turn put other people in concentration camps. This is terrible. That's just one of the many videos, one of the many. You know what it makes me think of is just the way people talked after 9-11 in this country about Muslims. You're the, you're the same kind of talk. And it's happening again, Eric. If you guys look on like social media, people are using Islamophobia again. People are doing it again. It's like after September 11 all over again. And I'm just like, like, like what the fuck, man? Oh yeah, Laura Loomer is a raving lunatic. Like it's not even just Laura Loomer. I mean, it's 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 a lot of people just falling for the okie doke, and are just like, you know, yeah, I stand with Israel. Israel has a right to exist. First of all, let me ask y'all a damn question: Why is it always Israel has a right to exist and to defend itself? But Palestine does not? Why is that? The Palestinians don't have a right to defend themselves. They're just supposed to continue to be like tortured and abused and beaten up. Why is it only, imagine, think about this guys. Let's go back to slavery in the US. Let's go back to that. White Americans have the right to defend themselves. The slaves did not. The slaves in this country did not have a right to defend themselves. Even slaves that made it north. There were black slaves up north. There were slave catchers up north trying to catch like black slaves to bring them back down south. There were slave catchers up north capturing black people who were free and taking them back down, taking them down south. People who were never there. So you see what I'm saying? They didn't have the right to defend themselves. Like this is this is crazy. Like when you think about it, this is fucking insane. And then you fast forward to even like Jim Crow and I say the same fucking thing, even under Jim Crow laws, black people did not have the right to defend ourselves. So do you remember when Saddam Hussein was paying Palestinian families $25,000 if one of their kids went and blew themselves up in a Jewish marketplace? This happened until Saddam died, and then it kind of died down for a little while. And then Hezbollah and Hamas started paying people to do that again. You know, if that was happening in your community, if people from a particular ethnicity and group was coming in and blowing themselves up, taking out as many people as they can, suiciding themselves out, just so their families could make $25,000, 
I think you'd have something to say about that. As it's Jewish. the Palestinians' community, Jenny. It was just, their home. What What are you talking about? If If it happened in your community, like it was their home, their community. I've explained this multiple times on my show. I showed the progression of Palestine becoming being Palestine and moving towards Israel taking over. The people were pushed out. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. We want to talk about Osama bin Laden. Why don't we talk about the fact that all the presidents during that time, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, or George Bush Sr., they were all cool with Osama bin Laden back in the day. They had a relationship with Osama bin Laden. I know, and I believe he was a CIA asset. And I would not be surprised to find out that there were some American dollars involved in some of this manipulation of all of us in terms of paying off these families. I'm not saying it was all just Saddam and the Muslim terrorist groups, because I believe some of those terrorist groups have been funded by American warmongers. So I, you know, it's, I know how messy it is. And I, I'm sympathetic to all sides. I truly am. I'm aching for those families who, whose family members were kidnapped. And I'm aching for what's happening right now in Gaza. It is a humanitarian crisis that the whole world should be getting ready to go fix. You know, well, what's maybe- happening, but what I want people to understand, what's happening right now in Gaza is not new. This has been happening. That's the thing. There are war crimes happening against the people in Gaza. This has been going on for quite some time. This is not a new thing. And the fact that our government is chosen to ignore it because they get money from the Israeli lobby, because they get money from fucking APAC so that they can keep their seats. People like Hakeem Jeffries, people like a Richie Torres, people like a Nikki Haley, like they get money from these groups. So the Israeli lobby, this is why lobbyists need to be banned from politics. This is exactly why corporate money needs to be detached from electoral politics. This all goes back to the money. Because anytime you, and I don't even care, someone like a Richie Torres who ran on, I am Afro-Latino and I grew up poor and I'm also LGBTQ. He ran on all that shit just to get in and then sell out his own fucking people. This is serious business. People got to wake up to this kind of stuff. Well, when the Israelis pushed those 6,000 or so families out of Gaza and said to the Palestinians here, you can have Gaza. That was 18 years ago. And the 18 years since, uh, there's been a lot of death, just a lot of death. And uh, the Israelis have become more and more belligerent about these people living in Gaza. And yet, you know, we have this incident and it's just like, it just tore open that wound. And what comes next? There are people talking about wanting to nuke Gaza and kill all of them. And we just, you know, we just can't have that. Well, let me tell you guys, um, Katie Helper will be on next week. I think we're recording on Wednesday. One of the things we're going to talk about, I didn't discuss it tonight because we're talking about it next week. The Palestinian people were told to leave because by Netanyahu, they were told to leave, like get out of Gaza, right? We're about to like go full ham. 
So there's only one way out. Like the one way out that they had. Do you guys know that they bombed that exit? Yeah, they bombed the bridge to Egypt. I saw that. Yeah, so th these people are stuck. I know. You know, the dumbest thing I hear is I don't think a lot of these people are educated on the radius blast of a nuclear bomb. I mean, a nuclear bomb can take out if it hit if it hit um, the U.S. It'll take out several states. I think these people think that oh, it's just a regular bomb. It'll stay within that particular localized area. I was like, no, a nuclear bomb will take you out too. Yep. yep. You're right next to them. I think you're, you're like you're right there. I think getting back to Jenny's original issue about the religious aspect of it, I think the religion is being used as a veneer to justify a lot of atrocities. And I think if your religion and the practice of your religion is informed, then I think we can get away from some of the more literal translations of these scriptures. And I think people with less good intentions hide behind those scriptures. You, I mean, to me, it's just simply ridiculous to read those scriptures and take it as a justification or the, the reason to turn a blind eye to all these atrocities. Because the scripture says, oh, the, the um, Jews will occupy Israel or come back to Israel. Then it, it tends to add a type of legitimacy to everything that's transpiring. And I think that is the abuse of religion. And well, then. No, that's where a lot of Christians are right now. My podcast this morning here on Colin. I read but that's what I think that's Armageddon. what the problem is. You're not that's the problem. Christians, though. You're not going to change their view. This is their heart. This is who they are in their hearts. But that's the problem. It's not just who they are and who their hearts is who they're being trained to be. You don't come out the womb with those belief systems. They're ministers and there are all type of systems that benefit from that type of programming of these people. And I think that is the real tragedy of religion. It is not meant to for me personally, religion is to give you a better understanding of yourself as being more than just to sum of your physical parts. It is to put you in touch with your spiritual side. And I think we are all more than just physical creatures. But we live in a world where everybody does not even share the same belief systems. So in this day and age, for one group to cling to a, a set of beliefs and not deal with what that creates in the rest of the world. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, and if this is these people's heart, as you say, this is why we're, we're going to perish because we can't get past it to realize that the, the real lesson is that we're more alike than we're unlike and that we're to live in an interconnected type of existence. 
But if people take these narratives and they cling to them and by any means necessary, and this is with the scripture, this is a fulfillment of the scripture. And, you know, and Christ going to come riding out of the clouds, you know, I'm saying, what chance do we have to build peace on earth and get, get around some of this stuff? And I was raised Christian, but I see things differently now that I am an adult, and I think that's the great challenge. You know, there's so much programming in everything in terms of education and religion and this and that till we're at each other's throats. And I think there is just a better way. And like you say, I think people can peacefully coexist in this and that. But at some point, in order to peacefully coexist with people of different faiths, we have to be willing to let go of some of the things that have been dividing us through the scriptures. Well, and I, can, you I, know, can, I can concede your point, but many of us, and I'm one of these people, would consider it a privilege to be a Christian martyr if it came to it, if I was asked to denounce Jesus Christ or denounce his prophets or the scriptures, and someone said, if you don't do that, I'm going to kill you. I would consider it a privilege to die for my faith. That's how, that's how much I am a Christian. And there are millions of people who are looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ because we believe he's going to be the harbinger of that peaceful existence we're all aching for. It's been prophesied, a thousand years of peace. But before yeah, that, there's going to be a war. I don't, I'm sorry. I, I grew up Christian as well. My mom is is very religious. And from what I've seen, I don't think most people are willing to just give up their life right now uh, from what I've seen. And I, I think, you know, maybe sometimes religion is a, is a problem. Maybe like, you know, when I think about some of the wars that have happened in the world, because of religion, like it's my religion or it's your religion. I'm the right one. You're the right one. And it's just, I remember growing up in the church and I remember, you know, going to different churches. Some of my friends were Catholic. I had friends that were Jewish, yada, yada. So I've been to different, different things. And I remember everybody said their way was the right way. Like friends that I have that are Muslim believe that their way is the right way. Their religion is the right one. Friends that I have that are Catholic believe their religion is the right one. Christian friends say their religion is the right one. Jewish friends say their religion is the right one. And at the end of the day, it's just like, why are we having religious wars? Like, Debbie, why can't Debbie, people... There, there was an extermination order put on the books in the state of Missouri when my people first started forming in the 1800s to kill every Mormon, man, woman, and child. That law stayed on the books until the 70s, 1970s. There weren't a whole lot of Mormons in, in Missouri during that time because we were concerned that we'd be killed by the politicians and the people. So, you know, for, for our people, and this story is not told, people do not understand our history, uh, who had to go out to Utah to find religious freedom and, and safety from the mobs who were coming after us who killed our prophet, we have some decided feelings about religious freedom and the ability to worship who, where, and how we may. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strident in my views and my, my dedication to my faith, but I do have this big heartedness to say, 
I believe we can learn how to coexist and heal the breaches that are beguiling all of us and the nations and especially what's happening in Israel right now. Like I said, Armageddon was prophesied by every ancient and modern prophet. There is going to be this all-consuming war involving the Jews right before Jesus Christ comes again. So there's some Christians who are like, they're excited. Is this it? Are we there? You know, I personally here's, don't think we're there. Here's the thing that I think eludes a lot of people. When you talk of these prophecies and this and that, and that there is going to be this protracted war that involves the Jews, can we not see that we are bringing that very thing into fruition because we are unwilling to study war no more? So the prophecy comes to be, comes to pass because we can't stop doing you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like an inverted thing. You take this narrative and say this has been foretold and then unwittingly bring it to pass because you believe that this is what it's supposed to come to pass. I get that. It does feel like and so, chasing the tail type thing. Exactly. And I'm just saying if the people in Israel would just pull back, then and and refuse to engage in war if everybody on the planet if all the major nations pledge to study war no more then the prophecy just becomes just a narrative because people are not doing war but i don't think we can find our way to that because we've been wedded too much to things like capitalism and everything else it's the political narratives that are governing the movements on the earth with respect to resources and, and control of resources. And again, I think they're using or allowing the narratives from the scriptures to overlay, but the decisions that are being made at this point are more political and about resources than they are about religion. But I think because people have these religious narratives, they will fail to see the hand that is really motivating the wars is really about resources and land and this and that. So I just it's just so sad and tragic to me. But I, I understand that people cling to their faith. And I think a lot of times people cling to their faith as a retreat from the world and the vicissitudes of the world. They can always go to their body. And, you know, I especially as a um, person of African descent in this nation, because I know there was a time when all our people had was the, the Bible. All they could cling to was a hope that they would be saved and this and that, because the day-to-day -day reality of what life was in slavery and post-slavery was just offered you so little hope that you had to invest it into this narrative. But I think, you know, I just think it's a tragedy. I, I'm so fooled, but I understand. At the end of the day, Noel, I am just so glad we can talk at this level instead of trying to hate each other or chase each other out of the room. I think there's so much value in that. And, you know, I just wish peace on everyone. That's what's in my heart. And if we can figure out a way to de-escalate the situation and save some lives, especially Palestinian lives, 
we should all be agitating for that. So that's that's where I'm at. Well said, Jenny. And I, I just want to say, um, this is why I don't have an echo chamber. <laughs> well, like you, you we like to hear different voices. Like we may not always agree, but I do like to hear different voices. I appreciate that so much. You guys have a great night. My battery's about to die. So if I all of a sudden am gone, that's why. Okay. All righty. Um, I'm going to hop to Miss Blue Eyes up there, T. Jasmine, and then I'll bring in uh, Brady. T. Jasmine, the baby with the blue eyes. You have to unmute. Every time I see that picture, I'm just like, that baby has some really blue eyes. Yeah. Uh, are you hearing me? I am. Whose baby? Is that your baby? Yeah, that's a baby I saw on the internet. It's a Ghanaian baby. Wow. Yeah, some Africans, they happen to have that. Some people call it defects, where they end up with blue eyes. So yeah, there are some African babies like that, or African people who are like that. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, one guy, he left his wife and two daughters because he's like, nobody in my family can appreciate, can um, want to accept the babies with blue eyes. So, you know, and then the, his, the people in the village eventually convinced him to go back to his family. So that was there. That was a big story I saw on the internet about Africans and blue eyes. Anyway, um, in terms of prophecy, Noel, um, life is spiritual, and you might see politics and all of these things, but nobody said it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, nobody said the prophecy wouldn't involve politics or any of these things. Life is spiritual. You have to recognize, well, you don't have to recognize it, but it is what it is. Life is spiritual. And these things are predicted, have been predicted. And, and the way things are unfolding, it's not a matter of these people are trying to make the predictions come true. It's just that their politics is so skewed that, the, that whatever was predicted is coming true. Because these people are devils. <laughs> Let's be honest. They're devils. Uh, am I speaking by myself? I'm not hearing anybody. Right no, now. you're 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 here. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so these people are actual devils. Listen to me. When um when you you when you consider because you know if you read Revelations, you will hear that some people are actually of the synagogue of Satan. They say there are certain things, but they are actually not. They are the synagogue of Satan. That was what it was It was said. And there's another people who predicted, or people who can piece together that there's prediction that there's the whore of Babylon, or the whore which sit upon the, 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 the beast of many heads. Um, and you might see that on one of the... Um, a coin that's a Greek coin, but it, that represents NATO or the Euro. But it also, anyway, I'm not even going to get into those kind of predictions. But it, it actually bears fruit that you see these things actually play out. That was written thousands of years ago. And you'd be like really shocked that these things are coming to pass. But they are because life is spiritual. And what's been sown will be reaped. 
anyway, um, in terms of what was I gonna say? I was gonna speak about um, I when people are talking about how complicated or the 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 the, the thing the situation between Palestine and Israel is. I used to think it was really complicated as well. People would say it's been thousands of years and they've been, always been attitudes in the Bible, and it's true. It's you know there's a situation in Bible where David. Um, in, in in First Samuel, the in the Samuel, the book of Samuel, you know there were uh, and kings where David was fighting against um, Goliath, and Goliath was a Palestinian, and so on and so forth. They call him Philistine or Palestinian, Goliath and David, and this sort of story. I'm sure everybody heard of the story of David and Goliath, but the truth of the matter is. The truth of the matter is that it's more recent than that because people, Jesus is a Palestinian. I know a lot of people don't know that, but Jesus Christ came from Palestine. And and both Christians, Jews, and Muslims were living in Palestine for centuries and centuries and decades and decades until the United Kingdom or England decided to carve out parts of Palestine and make it become Israel again. And then people said, like, oh, yeah, they're returning to Israel, returning. But to me, you know, when I hear people, like I hear you you folks say religion starts wars and there's a lot of religions that I'm of a different opinion. I think when I, when I consider when I consider European culture, no offense to anyone who is of European background, but when I consider European culture, it's not really Christianity or religion that to me is the start of wars. It's a European culture. To me, it's a spiritual thing going on where it's it's acceptable to persecute another group of people. Somehow, people within that within European culture have managed to think it's always a good idea to find another group to blame something on and to persecute them, whether it's the Jews or no, it's the Palestinians. Because let's be honest, those people in in Israel right now are from Europe. A lot of them are Polish. A lot of them are from Germany and from other parts of Europe. A lot of them are European Jews. A lot Mm. of them are from the United States of America, but they're originally from Europe. So let's be honest. it's the European culture where you see people persecute another group of people and subjugate them. It's European culture, and there's something spiritual going on with Europe or Europeans that needs to be addressed. It's not religion. A lot of people think it's religion because they were like, what about the programs when and the Spanish Inquisition and all these things that Jews were persecuted? But like I said, it's European culture. It's not Jewish culture. Find me another group of people who persecute people well so I I have to ask this question this is something that came up why isn't it that when we're talking about like land that should have been given to you know Jewish people after World War II why weren't they given land in Germany considering what happened You know, the Germans, 
you know, um, making amends and making atonement, atonement and amends is a Jewish thing, right? Um, Jewish people like um, during the time when the Canadian Parliament stood up and they applauded the guy, there was a, that was a Yom Kippur, I think it was a, the holiday of atonement. Um, atonement is a situation where people think. The, the Germans actually carried out a lot of atonement in terms of they gave a lot of things back to the Jewish people. They acknowledged their sins. They made laws against doing the same thing that they did or, or certain crime. They made laws to criminalize certain behaviors, anti-Jewish behavior. This is, I was about to say, this is, this is very, very true. Like I, I know I, I spent most of like my childhood in Germany they were very um they they acknowledged what they did wrong and they accepted like the accountability like they it's very different like I, i'm trying to find a way to compare it to the us in the sense that till this day the united states of america still is not really fully accepted and atoned for the crime of slavery in this country. They have not done that. They haven't done it. Germany did that. Germany admitted to what was done. Um, I remember I was a kid in school and like all my teachers weren't American, even in the Dodd school. Some of them were German, some were Filipino, etc. But my history teacher was German and my history teacher even in the Dodd schools, she made it very clear to us what they did, what happened, why they were wrong, and the atonement for it and what they're doing to try to overcome it. The United States, we have never done that. Not yeah, people talk about like slavery and history classes, but even in some of these states, they're trying to make it to the point where you're, you're not even allowed to discuss slavery anymore. You only have to mention it as the Civil War was about the state's rights. Yeah, but one of those rights was the right to keep slaves. Like the United States government, has, the United States country has still not till this day fully accepted and atoned for the sins of slavery in this country. Germany did that in reference to the Holocaust and the concentration camps and et cetera. And that, that's a big thing. And people have to understand that. You can't run from this shit. You can't keep hiding from it. You can't sugarcoat it and tell people, no, it didn't really happen this way. It's about slave rights and da da da. No, fuck that. Stop whitewashing history. Tell but these here, kids the truth. But here's the thing Germany was forced into it. It's not like they just said, oh, we're, we were wrong. They had the Nuremberg trials and all this, and the rest of the world was policing that situation in the aftermath. And Germany was pert near destroyed in the process and needed to be rebuilt, which is why they had the Marshall Plan or what have you. But they were forced into that position. So the America was never forced into any type of act of contrition or reflection or this and that, which is why, you know, they have not come to that place. That's why reparations and this and that have never been 
you know, made available and this and that because America was never forced by external forces to say, oh, oh, you gonna do right. And what they've demonstrated is that of their own volition, they did not have it in them. And again, to T. Jasmine's point, you know, they come from Europe. So maybe there is something just barbaric about Europeans. And you know the story about, you know, they they lived in the cold climates and the climates impacted personality and it was a more more of a struggle to survive and you know, okay. I don't want to. I don't want to get to that point where we're so racist. But um, because I don't see. Because to be honest with you, I, I, I it's more like Western Euro Europeans that, that I see doing that. I don't see Russians or you know the Soviets in that way, manner doing that sort of. Um, I don't know if there's history that I'm unaware of, but I don't because see they don't. Because He's Russia, Russia, other groups like that. Because Russia didn't colonize Africa, that's why. Belgium, Belgium, Leopold um, did horrible things in the Congo. You know, Europe has a nasty history, and so when sometimes when I hear you know atheists like um, what's his name, that guy that bleaches there and married to what's her face. Um, Whenever I hear them talking about religion and, and so on, I'm like, speak about European culture. That's actual European culture because nowhere in the Bible did Jesus or any of the, of the disciples say, go ahead and persecute people and terrorize people and kill people. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that. That's in the in the New Testament, at least. But again, this is this is only if you even believe in Christianity. Like this is the thing, because like more and more Americans are becoming agnostic. Like they they just don't believe in it, and and a lot of it has to do with the struggles that we have in this country today. So again, like if you don't believe in the Bible, if you don't believe in religion at all. None of this really means anything to you. And I think that's something we have to consider. Like, again, I was I was raised Christian, so I know about a lot of these things. But I also have friends that were not raised to be religious. They, they, they did not grow up in the church and they just do not believe in religion at all. And, you know, they've kind of shown me some things in the sense that, like, we have to keep in mind that not everybody believes that way. So this is why in my psychology class, we were not allowed to use religion as an example. Whenever we tried to prove our case about something in reference to psychology, because we had different, we had case studies we had to do in psychology, we were not allowed to use religion. And the reason why you couldn't use it is because religion is a belief, it's not a fact. So you can't use something that is same thing when I was on the debate team. You can't use religion as a defense because yeah. that's not a fact. Okay. It's a mm -hmm. but spirituality has yeah, that's that's uh, spirituality has spirituality has power. There's a real spirituality is real. Christianity, Western Christianity is powerless. It's philosophy. So that's why it it, it, can, it can be looked at as not fact, but real Christianity has power with it. Um, and in terms of 
spirituality. The Haitians used spirituality to escape from enslavement at the, uh, at the beginning. I'm, I mean, they really should. They need freedom right now, but they used what they had to escape. And, and, and some people might not acknowledge it, and some people might think, Oh, that's myth, myth, um, um, myth and, and whatnot. But listen, spirituality is real. I can just, you know, some people can say it's not fact and this and that, and they can, you know, they're lost in the thoughts of their own minds, but it's real. It's real. It's, it's real. But it's more than real. Spirituality is not necessarily religious. <laughs> it's, it is. Listen, God is a spirit. It's religious. Most but spirit. here's the thing. You can, because spirit is not necessarily tied into religion. There are people who are very spiritual, but they're not religious. I know. So, you know, you can be, I believe personally that we're more than the sum of our parts. And I see that demonstrated through different things in life. But okay. that doesn't necessarily mean it is tied to religion. Religion yeah. is is something altogether different. And I believe that there is a God. No, there is. I believe the narratives that have been spun around and all the different versions and creations have turned into something that is really unholy in, in the purest of sense. Because I believe real religion would not have us at each other's throats. That's something else. All right. Um, okay. Um, in terms of the Palestinian and Israeli issue, um, yeah, like I said, when um, it started, when I when I was growing up, or or, or I first came across United States media because I was living in Jamaica at the time, um, and I heard about the conflict, you you know, I'd watch CNN and and and. I'd hear about the conflict and they would make it seem like it was so difficult because these people were in Israel. These people were, it was a thousand years ago and they were always at each other's throats and this and that and that and this. But listen, it's since 1947 when they carved up Palestine to give the Israel and Israel has been encroaching and, 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 and going further and further and further and, and putting these people into a concentration camp sort of thing. Um, it's no longer about how far or how long ago it was or whatever. They, if they stuck to, at least they stuck to those agreed borders in 1947, or at least stop when people kept telling them to stop in like 1987 or something. But it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And now it's no longer about how, oh, it's so complicated. It was in the Bible and this and that. Palestinians, Palestinians were also living there. Palestinians also lived there. There was also a Palestine if you read the Bible. Palestine also existed. And Christian Palestinians existed. And Muslim Palestinians existed. And Jewish Palestinians existed. There's no excuse. For 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 um the terrorism of the, the the Palestinian people, there's no excuse, no excuse, because you know the woman who came on rising the other day, talking to Brianna, oh, and she was like, 
She was a, she was a witness. I saw that oh, woman. Oh, God. And she was talking. She had this full New York accent or, or maybe she's not from New York. Maybe she said she was ball, from No, Boston. she's from, she from Baltimore. She from Baltimore. She from, from my place. And I said, how dare you get up? And I thought to myself, how dare you get up there and embarrass Baltimore like that? No. Yeah. And, you know, she was going on and, you know, talking about how, because, um, you know, Jewish people are all over this country and they have their enclaves and their areas all over this country. And I'm, you know, and she's talking, you know, about how it's like she's, it's like when she's talking, it's like she completely, She's like, this has never happened before, and you know, and 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 she doesn't acknowledge the terrorism for the Palestinian people. She doesn't acknowledge it at all. It doesn't exist in her vocabulary. Those things never happen. This is so brand new. This is all out of nowhere, and it doesn't occur to her. In her mind, you know, it's her safety. And then when, when um, Brianna said to her that, you know, do you think, you know, people, you know, settlers moving into these people's houses and they're being pushed out, you know, think, you didn't think that may have a... Listen, I can't answer that. I can't answer that. That's what she said. It doesn't occur to her that you victimize another person that and you keep victimizing them and keep victimizing... What, what do you... What do you think would happen? Well, I want to make what I want to. Well, Jasmine, I want to make sure I bring in Brady, Ruben, and Chris also. Um, but I do want to say, like, I was very much, very, very proud of Bree. I thought she did an amazing job <laughs> because, because I came in too when he was very uh, pushy and Bree pushed back on him. So I'm I'm proud of her uh, for that. Uh, go ahead, uh, Brady. What's up, dudes? I have two interview requests and two possible solutions to the problem. First interview request is my friend's band called Fuck Money. And um, some cool radical, you know, black artists. You might appreciate them. I mean, cool band name, Fuck Money. You know, right off the bat, some good anti-war music. First solution, of course, I have is that I'm working on an anti-war album of new new anti-war music and i have another musician i'm already working with and uh so if you guys know any radical musicians send them my way tell them to throw some radical anti-war songs my way we're gonna put a whole album together promote it together and it's gonna be hopefully a whole cool thing and uh my next interview request would be this guy named kess from tiktok just a really cool smart dude always on top of stuff. I'll drop a link at the end. And my final solution is that uh, with some of the money that I'm making from songwriting, I'm going to start a nonprofit religion myself. It's called the Global Dojo of Scienceology. And basically, we just venerate science and we um, worship the universe. And the way that we worship the universe is by learning about it. And so I'm hoping to get some religious exemptions for science so that we can directly medicate ourselves outside the pharmaceutical industry without the gatekeeper of a doctor or a pharmacist for some things, maybe even more things like perhaps even have free clinics where you can get an an x-ray or an MRI or some free dental work or something like that. And um, I have lots of creative ways to make that happen. So 
just two little solutions I got because I think that uh, a lot of people say that we need us we need an alternative to the religions that are on the planet. We need we need a fellowship. We need to get together on the weekends and all talk together, right? And so. I think we just need a scientific alternative that isn't Scientology because that is not a scientific alternative. First of all, as soon as we clear about that, but I think we need something that um, we all expected Scientology to be when we first heard about it. And so I'm just going to start that and try to use as many, um, you know, nonprofit loopholes as I can to create community centers, community gardens, you know, community uh, library of things, uh, kind of a place for people to get together and like a free gym, uh, potentially a free place to drop your kids off after school, you know, um, uh, free studio for music and art and, uh, you know, all kinds of cool things. So just see what we can get away with on that front. And, uh, yeah. Um, so awesome, Brady, I've always wanted, I've, I've always thought that gyms should be free because like everybody should have the opportunity to go and use exercise equipment if they want to. Like I go to the gym like five days a week. So um, I just, I'm, I'm lucky. Like my gym is only $10 a month and it wasn't always that way. Like uh, I, when I lived like right in Boston proper, the cheapest gym was like $200 a month. And that's why I didn't go to the gym. I was like, fuck that. I can't afford $200 a month. But, you know, like I said, it's it's not that way everywhere. And gyms have become more and more pricey. So I, I totally hear you on that. Um, um, can you please email those requests to me? Because I won't remember. So just email it to me. And then I, I keep all that, all that information in one space. Yeah, will do. And, you know, I always feel like yoga should be free too. you know, like, you know, there's no reason we should be paying an arm and leg for yoga and everyone can benefit from it. My mom benefited a lot from yoga and, um, she's one of those people that like never believed in it and kind of stuff until she went and took a class and, and now she's hooked on it. You know, she loves it. And, uh, I feel like that's one of those things we can totally do for each other. We could do for each other for free, you know, have, well, yoga uh, is free. Yoga is free on YouTube. There, there are several YouTube um, programs for that is just yoga, all different types of yoga, beginners yoga. Um, I know some people um, want to do like hot yoga. Like they have all different types of yoga on YouTube that are free. But if it's your first time, definitely watch the beginners yoga uh, videos. But yeah, yoga is, that is one of the ones you can do for free. And some of the workout videos, I'm going to start like recommending these on YouTube. Like there are some, there are a couple people that I follow that are actually really good. Not everyone is, but there are a couple people I follow that are actually really good in reference to um, exercising at home. And I will start recommending those to people like on my show, like, especially if if the gym is too expensive where you live, there are certain things that you can do at home where you'll be fine without the gym, especially, well, number one, you don't necessarily have to have equipment to do some of these things. But if you do have like dumbbells, it will make a big difference and you will feel the difference. Um, I felt the difference. And um so I will, I, I'm going to start recommending, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. You know what, Eric, I think I'm going to do that once a week, recommending like a YouTube exercise video for people. 
I'm probably going to, I'll recommend some cardio, but honestly, mostly it's going to be like resistance training or like weightlifting because those are going to be the things that are going to help you in the shortest amount of time. And it's because cardio, like cardio is one of those things that helps you like when you're young, but as you get older, cardio is really not going to do much for you. So especially if you're a female and that's important for people to understand. So plus you don't really need a video to teach you how to like run or go for a walk, but resistance training is really going to help a lot, but there are things that you can do at home where you don't need a gym. Um, and there's videos for that. So I think there's a couple people I'm going to start recommending. But but thank you so much, Brady. Yeah, one of the cool ways that science can bridge that gap between spirituality and religion is vindicating kundalini meditation as well. It's been proven that that can generate gamma wave and super gamma wave activity in your brain, which actually improves memory, uh, defends from Alzheimer's, all kinds of cool stuff like that. So I'll pass the joint to Ruben, but uh, cool seeing you dudes. Y'all take care and I'll send those emails to you. And I'll drop some links in the chat for you guys too. Y'all peace out. Awesome. I'm going to go to Ruben. Ruben's going to be the last one. What's up, Ruben? What's going on? Hey, can y'all hear me? Okay, awesome, Groovy. Um, I'm, I've been loving like the light, like this latter half of the conversation and pretty much like mixed religion and politics. It was so cool. Anyway, so, um, what was going to say? Um, so, I'm going to, like, aside from what's going on right now with Israel and Palestine, um, so this is about Oprah. So, um, so basically Oprah is, like, continue, continuously saying that, like, um, or she's continuously promoting um, the peoples from the Maui. And um, I did, like, a, like a IG Reel um, I think a month ago during like the height of the backlash. And I decided to go back today and to check, you know, what's up with the people's fund of Maui. Um, and it turns out who, who, whoever was, um, it, it's in charge of the website went back and literally rewrote the, the, the mission statement and the mission statement from from one month ago is completely different than today, but she's still saying that like, you know, money is going to go directly to the hands of the people. And it turns out that the current mission statement, it says that, um, that the, that the people's fund of Maui is, um, that people should determine or should decide what, what, you know, what damages is or something like that. And, um, I, I'm stu I'm 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 studying for like my LSAC because I want to go to law school, and I'm like, is I I think Oprah can be sued on this dance for false advertisement, because not only she said that money's going to go directly towards the the hands of the people, the 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 original statement was if eligible people can get up to twelve hundred dollars. And today, the mission statement says that, like, people should determine or should decide what equals a not like what equals like help or something. And I'm like, she she could get sued. And not just that, but the entertainment industry fund can also be sued 
because she is she repeatedly tells lies and yet someone went into the people's fund of maui website and rewrote the mission statement so what? yes yes i'm not kidding um i did an ig reel today because um i saw it on my instagram feed that this other lawyer because i was thinking about it a month ago when i was like it'll be like i'm I'm kind of thinking it's going to be a, a lawsuit because it goes into like false advertising, but like I, I, I let it slide because I was still, because I'm still studying for my LSAT. And when I saw a lawyer bring up um, Oprah's CBS morning news with her bestie Gail, she kept saying, you know, it's going to go to the hands of the people. So this lawyer said that she could get sued. And I'm like, oh, wow. I was thinking of that even during the height of the backlash. And like I said, that made me go to the People's Fund of Maui and someone there, like a PR person, completely like rewrote the mission statement. <gasps> yeah, so Oprah can that. be, Oprah can be sued. Like, and, and, um, um, if y'all can like, like I can send you, um, if information or something, but if y'all like go to the people's fundamentally right now, the mission statement is completely different than what she said a, a month ago and, and, and what it was a month ago. So it is it like anyone can do Oprah right now. So like, if you guys know someone from Lahaina or have family there, go to people's fundamentally. And I can give you guys some information. And um, y'all can, like, fucking see Oprah, uh, Oprah and, I think, The Rock. But it's, mo- it's mostly Oprah and the Entertainment Industry Fund um, Foundation. Cause, well, well, well. And, um, and if you guys do want to sue her, because, like, you guys might have family in, in Maui and or Lahaina, um, sue her on the basis of false advertisement. Well, thank you so much for that, Ruben. Yeah, of course, no problem. Anyways, um, y'all have a good night. All right. For the people who are left on the panel, one other question I do want to ask is, uh, one thing that did not come up yet is, how does everybody feel about RFK Jr. running as an independent? Feel free to jump in. I just like the fact that, like I said before, it's going to give more... Uh, 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 umph or energy or whatever you want to call it to people to start looking toward independent candidates. There was something else I was going to say too, but I'll let everybody else. I mean, he already, he already like, like crapped the bed for me on every issue that I, you know, that I actually care about, whether it's restorative justice, uh, the police, and now the whole Israel-Palestine situation. So, um, I, I, I was never on board with him to begin with, but once he started saying things like that, and then, like, on top of that, he's, like, saying it directly to black people's faces, I'm good, bro. I'm good on him. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? It makes me suspicious because the things that he is saying about the Democratic Party and this and that. He knew that before he even ran as a Democrat. So I'm like, well, what was that whole thing about? I think, you know, he originally ran through the Democratic Party to pull off some of the disaffected Democrats. And now he's going independent so he can more easily 
pull some of the disaffected um, Republicans, this, that, and the third. But I don't trust any of it. I don't like his platform. I don't like any of it. So it's neither here nor there for me. But I'm I'm curious as to what's really going on. And I'm wondering if Dennis Kucinich is still his campaign manager because it makes me look side eye at him. But, you know, do what he do, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to... um. I need to reach back out to Cynthia McKinney to invite her back on because uh, both her and Dennis Kucinich were very strong on the issue of Israel and Palestine. And it's very interesting to me that that is RFK Jr.'s campaign manager and he's pretending to not know about Israel and Palestine and the history of it, et cetera. And he has Dennis Kucinich who fought for the Palestinians on the national stage who is his campaign manager. So that's very interesting to me. And like I said before, I think RFK Jr. is just flat out ignoring this. I think he has been told these things. I think there's a reason why he's ignoring people like Max Blumenthal, et cetera, uh, and so on. Go ahead, T. Jasmine. His wife, his wife is Jewish, right? Cheryl Hines, is, she's a Jewish woman. Isn't she? Am is I wrong? She? Let me she see. was a curb, curb your enthusiasm as um what's his name's wife the guy what's his name again the lead guy in curb curb your enthusiasm the guy curb who your... looks like who kind of who played uh Bernie Sanders yes she was Larry his wife Larry she David was... Larry David yeah she was his wife on Curb Your Enthusiasm at least from the beginning and, and for a couple of uh, for some years and then after a while it looked like she had a falling out and she left the show but um and I don't know if she returned at one point so Cheryl Hines is Catholic she's Catholic oh but okay. her character that she played was Jewish oh okay okay because I'm because I I thought she was Jewish because I mean there's that link like what's the what's the reason why he's so gung ho for Israel I'm I'm just trying to understand it you know Money. I'm not saying that you should be gung ho for whatever you want to be gung ho for but it's almost like you know it, to me it feels racist it just feels racist when I see people you know. Like um, John Hagee or somebody who is just against the Palestinians and, and just feels like a racist reason to me. He just feels uncomfortable um, for me that you would just lie and just go ahead. Like these people are being oppressed and, and you just treat them, the entire group of people, the entire race of people as if they are terrorists. You know, like the original. Well, I've, I've heard money. Max Blumen. Oh, I'm sorry, Savvy. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, um, I've heard people talk about like, cause his um his father was killed by a Palestinian person, and that was like kind of a thing that started floating around when he first came out about this um the you know this topic. But Max Blumenthal then confirmed well said on Jimmy Dorsch, I'm not going to say confirm because RFK hasn't, you know, confirmed it, but he said he's had like private conversations with RFK Jr. where he's like very aware that he doesn't believe that that person um, basically killed his father. Kind of similar to how like um, King's sons met with the guy who um, 
you know, who, who they say killed him. And so Max Blumenthal kind of like dispelled that and kind of made it clear that this is more than likely about him, you know, A, taking money and B, trying to pander to that lobby to get them off his back, essentially. Yeah, it's actually on record where he said he does not believe that um, Sirhan Sirhan killed his father. Yeah, you got to watch the Mike Tyson um, interview on uh, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson, where he said that it was uh, the the person that was supposed to be guarding his father um, because of where the the bullet entered into his father's head from the back. And it was it was a gun that the guy who was holding him was supposed to be the police officer or whatever the case is. And he, you just got to watch it on, if you could find it, I could send it to you. I, I made sure to screenshot it. Yeah. Because that, that interview was removed from YouTube, by the way. But I got it. That's right. All right, guys. Oh. I do. Oh, have to oh, head Sabrina. Out. Sabrina, I just want to say this real quick. Lucy did a live stream today and she was she brought up this article about how um, it was it's called uh, Zionist role in 1950s attack on Iraqi Jews confirmed by operative and police report. So Mm -hmm. pretty much this operative what he was doing was he was driving um, Iraqi Jews and other Jews from different countries to uh, Palestine by playing a role in bombing, um, bombing like Iraq, like bombing places where they would end up leaving and going to, to Palestine. Okay. I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. Um, I do yeah. have to head out. Those, to but, um, yeah, just send it to me. All right, guys, but thank you so much for hanging out. Um, again, no show on Wednesdays, but I'll be back on Thursday. Good morning. Bye. Later. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>